Alright everyone, sorry about that, little uh, mix up there. What's going on guys? Welcome to the Hubcast, episode 4. Greg with Pizzles Tech Time, your host for the week. And we have a bunch of content creators here and we are excited to talk about all stuff gaming and technology. And uh, I'm going to start introductions very quickly. And uh, first person is Centurion. How you doing buddy? Thank you for uh, stopping by. He has yeah. some great gaming content that you are welcome to check out. And uh, what's up, man? Introduce yourself. Ah, thanks for having me here again, Pizzle. It's fun being here on the BG4G Hubcast. Uh, it's actually great to get a, get together with other people from around the world that enjoy games. Um, God, what have I been up to? I haven't had enough time to create content lately because I got some personal things going on, but... Uh, Definitely made some time to be here with you guys and uh, been trying to crack away at uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I'm still trying to get through to that game. I'm at level 51 and uh, I'm only about halfway through the game. Wow. And that's uh, um, Odyssey. That's the newest one. I'm still playing Origins. I have it for oh, PC and Xbox, but I've heard people say this one is much better. I 100%ed Origins. I really enjoyed Origins. This game like beats Origins out on size and the RPG element makes you have to work at it more because in Origins you could just go from spot to spot to spot to spot. Now that there's an RPG element, you know, there's places that you can't really go to until you level your character up to actually get it to where otherwise you're just going to go over there and get your ass kicked. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So uh, we're, let's just move on to the next introduction here. I think we had somebody drop out and drop in. So um, next we've got Jordan. He's got a YouTube channel called Punch and Pie. A lot of retro gaming stuff. I checked out some of the videos and they're pretty awesome. So uh, thanks a lot, Jordan, for coming on. And uh, why don't you in introduce yourself and uh, say a couple things about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on here. This is awesome. Uh, yeah. So my name is Jordan. I run a channel called uh, Punch and Pie. And uh, basically it started with a lot of like retro, uh, kind of a little bit of ranting when it was like trendy. And I kind of started to find my own, like my own style. And I kind of got away from all of that. But uh, some unboxings, reviews, um, and uh, some new, some old Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft. I cover everything uh, outside of PC because PC is just really not my expertise at all. Um, but I really try to just be a fan of the gaming industry as a whole. I cover some new, some hot topics, but nothing really because there's so many other channels that do it, in my opinion, significantly better than I do it. And I just don't have the ability to do videos daily uh, as I'm not a professional YouTuber. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, man, you got to do the content that you enjoy making, and we all have jobs that we have to do other than YouTube, but loving to create the content that we create is uh, part of the fun. Absolutely. You, know, you love what you do, and you do it when you have time to, and you've got to take care of life. And uh, Centurion, thank you for joining us. I know you were going through some stuff, so uh, big shout out to you, man. Thanks for coming through. And uh, we're going to move on to the last person, Stubbs. Uh, he was popping in and out. I think we were having some technical difficulties, but Stubbs Gaming is here. Awesome creator, big fan of Gears of War, and uh, thank you so much for joining us today. You there, Stubbs? All right. We're all having a <laughs> few technical difficulties there, guys. Uh, you know, not everything goes smoothly all the time. Yeah, There's a I'm lot of... Uh, I don't know what's going oh, on. He's here. There he Connection is. Minute. Stubbs Gaming, he is live. 
What's up, dude? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. No worries, no worries. Pleasure to have you guys, and uh, we're going to get rolling and basically talk about gaming, you know, the the stuff that we love and that we base all our content around. So um, I'm really not going to go too crazy with too many topics here, but we do have uh, EA Access coming to PS4 uh, in Ju on July 24th. Well, how do you guys feel about that? You think uh, Sony guys are going to be really happy about this or no big deal? <laughs> Who wants to jump in on this one here? Anyone um, can jump in. That's right. You know, I, I I guess I'm a Sony guy. I'm wearing the PlayStation shirt. But uh, anyways, uh, it, it's it's cool. I'm I'm happy that Sony's kind of taking their uh, their foot off the the neck of EA to allow them to have access to do this. It's uh, you were telling me earlier that you're not much of a sports game player, so it really isn't you know relevant to you anyways. You you were a subscriber at one point, right? Yeah, that I was great. around the time uh, Mass Effect Andromeda came out, and there was so much hype for that game. You know, I wanted to play it. And uh, they, they do have some other games that I enjoy, but I think like with Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate, like I have so many games that I can play now. I really don't need any other service unless they come out with another banger, um, which is probably when I'll resubscribe. Absolutely. So that's the thing is that it's I, I still actually have uh, my gamer club with Best Buy until April of next year. So I get 20% off all new games. So it's almost silly for me to have that service. The only sports game I play yearly is the NHL games. I'm a huge hockey fan. Like that is, I'm from Detroit. That's my game. It's you're from, you're from Boston, right? So you know hockey, right? That's, yeah, that's, like yeah. your, that's in your blood, man. So I buy NHL every year, but even if that's the case, I go to Best Buy, I get my 20% off. So I'm paying 48 bucks plus tax for NHL. Why do I want to spend 20? It's 25, correct? For EA L access or whatever it's called. I, th I, I think you can pay, get it cheaper if you pay for the year. But okay. it's definitely very affordable, and it's um it's it's a minimal cost, so it it wouldn't you know people wouldn't have trouble getting it. Okay, well I, that, I mean I'm just saying I I'm gonna get their the new Star Wars game this fall when it comes out, and then I buy NHL. And those are really the only two EA titles I I would buy this year that are coming out. So would it be a value to someone like me? I, I don't think so. But I, I to other people I, I can see where the value is in it. You know if, if they enjoy. Uh, Battlefield, Battlefront, all those games. Because I think you get all the DLC, don't you, when you're subscribed to that? Or do you have to buy that stuff separately, too? I'm really not knowledgeable about it. I'm really kind of going on what you're telling me. Yeah, um, I, with Game Pass Ultimate, they do give you the DLC. With EA Access, I do not think... They, they have a different, different uh, service for PC where you can get all their games, but it's very expensive. It's almost like Game Pass Ultimate, but for the regular EA Access, I don't think they give you mm -hmm. all the DLC. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, you might want to just flick your mic a little bit. It was uh, fine, but now it's starting to... Yeah, you're getting interference from something. I am? Yeah, it's crackling. Oh, geez. Uh, so, Centurion, do you have EA Access? No, I do not have EA access um, purely because um, I've looked at it numerous times, never really felt like getting into it. Um, I'm on the same boat as Jordan here. I have um, the Gamers Club uh, unlocked thing still until uh, January of next year at Best Buy. So I get any of the EA games 20% off. Yeah. Um, sad. Oh, sorry uh, to cut you off. So oh, I was no, gonna say, gonna sadly, think? they got rid of that, you know, oh, so yeah. you can't buy it anymore, which is like crazy. I had it for two years too, and uh, uh, it, it's insane. That was an awesome. I bought service. it, and two months later, I got an email saying that they were discontinuing it. So I lucked out, I guess, around the time I bought it. 
Yeah, so uh, if, if, if anyone doesn't know, that's uh, it was a service uh, Best Buy was offering where you could get 20% off any new game, any platform, which is amazing. Brand new games we're talking about. Physical so. only, not digital. Yes, yes, which is silly. but uh, and, that, and that includes collector's editions. Like right now, I'm waiting for it to go back on sale. The Cyberpunk game comes out in April, but my subscription is good until January. As long as I have the collector's edition paid for before that, you know, before I run out, I get 50 bucks off that collector's edition. So I'm wow. just kind of sitting back waiting for that thing to come back in stock, and I'm really debating on getting it. So is it over $200, that collector's edition? It's $250. Jesus, man. I know, <laughs> man. These collector's editions, man, you're getting ready to start, like, selling an arm or something for them. Yeah, hopefully they don't have a fiasco like um, like Fallout 76 had with those bags that people were so upset about because they gave the content creators really nice bags. And then people went out and bought this uh, super deluxe edition or whatever, and the bags were like wicked shit. <laughs> see, see, that's the funny part. I have it here. I have the helmet on my entertainment center. I have my faux bag in the closet. Um, but... Again, I got 20% off that set, so I can't really complain too much like everybody else that really did pay full price for the fake bag. Mm -hmm. But uh, back on the EA Access, a lot of their new games have like timers on them. Like you could like with Anthem, you could only play that game for 10 hours before that timer ran out and you actually had to buy the game. So even with EA Access, they might be putting some, you know, first party content in there day and date. But some of it's actually behind, you know, a timed paywall. In other words, if you, after a certain amount of time, you actually have to pay, you know, pay into it. Yeah, that's, that's really crazy. Uh, we still, um, may maybe try to unplug it and plug it right back in, Jordan. I think it's just. Um, yeah, you're just starting to bot pretty bad. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. Um, but now um, with uh, EA Access, the one thing we all got to point out, I've pointed this out in other shows. Um, it's definitely something that uh, a lot of people don't really notice right away, but EA access on the PlayStation is not as big as it is on Xbox. And it's all because of one concept backwards compatibility. Exactly. The library on PlayStation is going to be considerably smaller as a result that the only backwards compatibility, the only backwards compatibility that they have is on PS now. On Xbox, they let you have backwards compatibility across the board as long as they've made it backwards compatible. And so the library is just so much bigger on uh, the Xbox side of things. And it's not because I'm saying PlayStation stinks or anything like that. It's just the way it happened. Yeah, well, it's that architecture they use for the PS3, the cell shading or whatever the heck it was. But um, I hear a lot of people say that backwards compatibility doesn't matter. But a lot of older gamers like us, we want to play those old games, and they mean a lot to us. And uh, Jordan specifically loves his retro games. He has tons of videos on them. So the more backwards compatibility we have, the better we are, I think. And the I, only I think thing I didn't like about how PlayStation deals with backwards compatibility, sorry to interrupt on you, but they locked the backwards compatibility on the PS4 behind a paywall. If you yeah. owned the, even if you owned the physical copy of that game, you cannot walk up and put it in your console and play it. You have to rebuy re the game um, or play it through PS Now. Um, and that's where it's just like, you know, yeah, it may be difficult to do backwards compatibility, 
but when you lock it behind a pay, when one guy blocks it behind a paywall, the other guy doesn't, you know, it's kind of like, well, it's kind of a flag. Yeah, it is. It is. But like, when you think about it, Nintendo is the worst of them all. And everybody praises Nintendo, but if you had a game on the Wii U, it didn't go forward to switch. And uh, they have had numerous different, uh, uh, different types of accounts that you could have with N- Nintendo. And I remember that being a big problem. I don't know if you guys can touch on any of that. I will say about Nintendo is I will at least give them the benefit of the fact that they switched technology when it came to delivering the games. They switched from a CD-based uh, game to a disc-based game to a cartridge-based game. I remember I have a Wii U sitting right here. That Wii U is compatible with every disc-based content that they created from GameCube to Wii U. And that is the whole reason why I keep it is because I want to have the ability to go out and grab a GameCube game and put it in there and be able to play it. So I will at least give them credit on the fact that they were doing backwards compatibility uh, when other guys, you know, it's like, oh, it's a new generation, you know, go time by another console. Backwards compatibility didn't even really become a thing until i mean a big thing until this generation when nintendo has been doing it for a while but when you're switching from how you deliver that content to a new system yeah sometimes it doesn't always work out in the end yeah you guys hear me yeah. okay right now by the way yeah, yeah, yeah. 100 okay. better so I, I i just want to touch on some of the playstation things you were mentioning so the ps3 they used that cell processor which was proprietary hardware they had designed for the for the console um if you're familiar even to this day on the like the most powerful P, uh, gaming pcs trying to emulate uh ps3 games people are like oh we got uncharted to run at eight frames per second it's like almost next to impossible to emulate so with with ps now they basically have a server farm of ps3s that uh, you're streaming these games from. So unfortunately, they, they're the PS4 would have been it would have been possible for them to really emu- do like proper emulation on the console for the discs. Now you bring up a good point there about you know why can't I just put my PS3 discs in there and then I'm able to play it through uh, PS Now? That I'm not sure are the discs not even readable to see what's on there because it's they don't even have like the, the emulation processor. I I I don't know with that, but. Um, but yeah, that's that was the big issue why they could never get it to, to work with emulation. I, I, if I'm correct, Xbox 360, uh, their OS was an x86 uh, architecture, PC based, so that was why it was easy, much much more, much easier and much simpler to actually emulate that uh, those games. Um, and really, it's not even emulation. All you do is put the disc and then you download the content off the Xbox Live Store. At least with my experience with my uh, Xbox 360 games, when I put in my Xbox One. If I, is that correct? They're all downloaded, right? Yeah, they all download. But you okay. need to still put the disc in for the license to kick in because exactly. without the disc in, you don't have the license on the store. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. I mean, it's if you know what the rumors they're saying that uh, PS5 will be fully backwards compatible. We'll see. I, I don't know how they're able to get that emulation to work if no one's been able to do it yet. Uh, they say it's going to be fully backwards compatible with PS4. It's not yeah. going to go beyond PS4. See, I'm, I'm seeing like conflicting stories, and I, I, I've heard the same thing too, where they're talking about. And what's interesting is that the, the the PS3 can play PS1 games. Why can't the PS4 play PS1 games? I never understood that. That makes no sense to me. Even even like the super slim PS3 that was, you know, the cheapest model possible that was not backwards compatible but still played PS1 games. It's just weird that the PS4 can't emulate uh, the, the the PS1 games. But they've also released uh, PS2 classics on PS4 to download, similar to you know how Nintendo does it. Well, 
if you remember on PS3, to, you were only able to play certain uh, previous generation titles from the PS2, and that was only by downloading a patch that they had on the store. It was like the PS2 backwards compatibility patch. Wow. Yeah, that was before my time. I think I, I my, my, my PlayStation story is a little weird. I was actually, I got 360 at launch, played that thing till 2010. I was living in Chicago at the time and I wanted to watch NHL Game Center. Um, and it was only really available on like two different devices at the time. So I bought a used PS3 just to download the app so I can watch the Red Wings while I was living in Chicago. And, um, that's when I really got into the PlayStations. Once like, I got picked up, like all like the first party games for like ten bucks, and that's kind of, that's where I fell in with Sony. So I'm I'm like a late Sony lover, even though I had PS1 and PS2. I was way more into like OG Xbox and uh, GameCube, and then uh, N64 over PS1. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a late Sony fanboy, I guess you could say. <laughs> I've always owned everything, but it wasn't really the passion wasn't there until uh, about nine years ago. Yeah, I think everyone had a PS2. Um, it was, you know, it, it was it was the the shit. I I would say. Uh, I remember playing Metal Gear Solid on that. I remember the memory cards, and before that, it was Super Nintendo Dreamcast, and there wasn't any, um, you know, console war like there is today. And I almost think it's kind of silly, but um, where lies get told and rumors get spread and. You know, I had 360 and I didn't really care so much about Microsoft, but then, you know, having them be the underdog next generation and me wanting my games to carry forward. And uh, I bought the PS4 Pro, so I, but I am an Xbox fan. I think they provide more for the gamer and I think they think more about what the gamer wants. And Sony is, um, you know, they put all their money into first party studios which will benefit them greatly for the next year or so, maybe longer. But uh, Microsoft picking up, you know, an incredible amount of studios. I think we're going to have <clears throat> games from everyone that are amazing. And, uh, you know, I don't know uh, what, so your preferred uh, console is PS4 now. Do you have the Pro or just regular PS4? Oh, PS4 Pro. Yeah. PS4 Pro. Yeah. I, mean, I, 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 got, a, I got the the OG one at launch. Uh, picked up a white PS4 Slims. I, I love white consoles used, and then I got the Pro. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's even, even um, I'm brain party here. Who runs Xbox? That Phil? Uh, yeah, Phil Spencer's the mic. Phil Spencer, yeah, yeah. I mean, even he's giving credit to Sony. It's like when it comes to first party, that's just like you, you can't deny that they have had some of the most amazing exclusives over the last 10 plus years. Even even with how crappy the PS2 was compared to the Xbox and the GameCube, because really specs-wise, the PS2 was the weakest of those three consoles. Their first party games were like, God of War was like nothing you ever played. And I didn't get to play God of War really until... All right. Uh, sorry, man, you're botting, botting a little bit, so I, I'm just going to mute you for a second so I could tell you because it's a little hard to hear. So um, I'm going to unmute you right now. Um, it was just uh, what uh, now I can't do it. Uh -huh. Stubbs, did you uh, come in yet or? Just. Oh. Jesus. Um, is there uh, is there any way, Jordan, that you can uh, drop the hangout and reopen it? Maybe that'll help because it's frozen now. Sorry about that, man. Okay, so he's going to come back in, and we should be all set.
See, I don't think it's Stubbs' internet. I think it's just the, whatever's going on with Google right now. Google's having some fun. Yeah, they're having a little bit of fun, but you're you're coming in loud and clear. There you are, Stubbs. Can you hear me now? Yeah, oh, we, yeah, can, we hear can hear you, Stubbs. Can you hear me? Sorry about that. I have no idea what you're talking about now. Because what's I'm, your I'm using the official Hangouts app now? Not the browser. <laughs> what's your opinion on uh, EA Access coming to PlayStation? Has it? Uh, have you ever used EA Access? Do you have EA Access? Oh, EA Access. Uh, I've never used it, but I think it's a good idea to bring it to the PlayStation and give the PlayStation gamers a chance to try it out. I think it's a new. Well, it will it will show people whether whether a lot of the PlayStation gamers are interested in this uh, well subscription based world. It's not the best of services because you only normally get a trial, and they want you to buy it. So, it's not my kind of thing because. It's basically Battlefield or like football, or like FIFA games, and um, it's not. Yeah, I do think it's a pretty good service because you do get the older games that you can download and you can keep uh, for however long you would like. Uh, Stubbs just kind of went out again, so I'm going to go off what you said. And uh, there are some things that you can uh, download, which are usually about a year old. And uh, like I said, guys, the Xbox Game Pass, especially now that they're on PC, uh, and, you know, EA Access is a lot like Game Pass, but Game Pass is a much uh, superior service. I, I really have more games than I can even play right now. thought I might as well jump in on this one since everyone's having a bit of problems. Hey. I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's no. It's all good. Go with the flow, man. Yeah, no, exactly. So trying... go on. Yeah, exactly so. It needs be. Damn, what the hell's going on tonight? I have honestly no idea. I thought I sorted everything out, but damn. <laughs> uh, whenever, I, whenever I do anything, it just uh, gets all screwed up, you know? That's why. Oh, we'll, put oh, the, no. we'll put the blame on you then, Pizzles. <laughs> no, uh, Jesus. So what the hell are we on about? Are we I still don't know, man. You're going to have to come in us. Yeah, that was just kind of a topic I wanted to brush over. And, um, you, you, you know, I know it's a good service, but um, people on PS4 have not liked it because they didn't have it. So now that they can have it, I was wondering if the views had changed, if people yeah. do think it's a better service now. Oh, no, I'm, uh, no I've, I've always had a PlayStation before I've had an Xbox. I literally have only had an Xbox about two weeks now. So I'm still getting used to it. I haven't actually purchased EA Access myself just yet. But when the news actually came... Uh, for that is actually coming on to uh, PlayStation, it legit got me excited. Now, I know there's a load of sports games that I probably won't play uh, like the... Uh, well, I may give Madden NFL a go, uh, as well as... Well, to be honest, the whole FIFA I can do without. The whole... Uh, the, the, NL, uh, uh, the hockey one and HL I could do without. But there's like a few of them on there, which I, you know, I noticed that A Way Out isn't, uh, isn't on the Xbox... Is it on the Xbox version? A way out. I've seen it advertised for PlayStation, and I know my wife and I are very excited to play that as well as try uh, Sims 4, the console version as well. So I think twenty pounds, at least for my country, at least for a yearly subscription, uh, is a is a steal. Um, yeah, that's basically nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a steal. Twenty pounds is a fraction of my weekly shopping. Um, but the fact is that I think for 20 quid, it's a steal. I might as well get it anyway, rather than paying full price for the Sims 4 console, which I wanted to do, uh, as well as a few others. And I believe 
that uh, if I get EA access for the PlayStation and I hook it up to my account or use the same email address, it will also work for the Xbox as well. So I can get, drift between both of those under one account. So I can play oh. all the Mass Effects. So I can play uh, uh, Skate 3 on Xbox One and then jump over to A Way Out on the PlayStation 4. So for me personally, uh, it, it's a fantastic service and for a fantastic price as well, monthly or yearly installments. Yeah, I didn't even think about that uh, switching between accounts. Uh, I thought it might be linked to your Xbox account or linked to your PlayStation account. We will have to look into that a little more. So uh, definitely appreciate. I, th I, think, I think I heard that, though. But if, if, it, if it's not, then that's a huge letdown. Yeah, I mean, I would assume it's EA Access. I don't think they would make you pay for it twice, but that would... Um, that would rely on Microsoft and Xbox, like allowing you to switch between. So I can imagine there would be some difficulty in doing that, but that would be great if that is the case. Wait and see, I suppose. Wait and see. At yeah. ease, everyone. For sure. What's, What's up, up, Matt? Hello, Paul. How are you? Not bad, my guys. Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw they were having problems with Google, so I thought I'd jump in as well. Hey. Hey, we're all in. <laughs> Bring the hey, Jordan, nice to meet you. You too? Yeah, is this any better? I actually moved to my family room because I need to plug my computer in anyways. I'm on my, on my laptop, my dining room. So lighting's not as good, but hopefully you can hear me better. There's like a weird wall that like, messed up my Wi-Fi in my house. So over the dining room. But uh, better lighting, but obviously uh, I think it's like, kind of crappy. Uh, yeah, it, might be, it might be his microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Microphone. It's, it's, it's my mic. No way. Okay, that sucks. Okay, hold on a second. Let me just, let me just, I'll just switch over to the mic on my computer then. Hold on a second. No worries. No worries, guys. So um, a little bit of technical difficulty, you know, it does happen. So uh, we're going to do oh, our best here. On Staltius's show on Thursday, his OBS uh, was acting up, and uh, he was the only one you could hear for about the first 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. OBS is pretty tricky. I have not mastered that myself. But Google Hangouts is going to be shut down very soon, so we're all going to have to use Discord or something else to do our podcast or whatever the case may be. And uh, I think it's pretty shitty that Google did that, but uh, apparently no one uses it. I still can't believe that um, uh, Google Hangouts is the only one that has voice recognition enough to let you use your avatar. No one else does it. No one at all. So I'm quite surprised. And and what is it? YouTube are only going to have, they've got their live cam now, but you can only be the individual at the end of the camera. So you can't do the hangout or a, a conference call or anything. I think it is pretty shitty. There's so many people use this and, yeah. um, and they're just going to drop it and it's going into business. Well, they're not dropping it. They're moving it across the business. So if you, if you want to pay, you know, a couple of hundred dollars a month or whatever, because you're a business, you can use it. Otherwise, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, so not going to no, pay anything for that. That's absolutely bollocks. Sorry. So you bollocks. can pay for a Google Hangouts after they close it down to the public? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy the Google Hangouts, but it will be for business only. So, And it's pretty pricey. It's pretty steep. It's for the corporate businesses. So they can do their conference calling. Um, I doubt it will interface with YouTube anymore. Um, I think YouTube are going to move it across to their webcam. So I think people have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed now on your YouTube channel, there's a little button at the top. So if you go to go live, you have the go live bit and it says like web, there's a webcam as well. So you can go directly from your phone or from, from your usual and you can stream live directly from there, which they've already really had, but they've just updated it a little, but they haven't done for a group conversation like this at all either. 
Yeah, it wasn't available on desktop. You could always do it on mobile, but desktop, I had never seen it. But yeah. um, that, that requires only one person to be live unless you're in a group scenario. So I don't really think that's going to be helpful for any podcasters out there. And I know Skype, they charge for a bunch of stuff. So we're, we're going to have to look into it and find a better application. And uh, hopefully we will do that. Uh, quick question. Did any of you guys, uh, did any of you guys pre-order Black Ops 4? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Is that a consensual nope? Is everybody saying no? I think we all said no. Yeah. Does, by the way, <laughs> you any better now? Does this sound yeah. better? Oh, yeah. yeah, you, yeah, yeah better. Better. Jeez. Sorry, that sucks. I barely used that headset. <laughs> He's already beat up. <laughs> Lovely. So yeah, it might, might just be the connection, you know, sometimes it's l little stuff, little interference and you never know, especially with a bad USB port on my computer. That's dirty. That just needs to be clean. That's causing that. Who knows if it's a, it was a digital breakup sounding. Yeah. It sounded like yeah, interference off of the, uh, the headphone jack. Okay. Cause it, yeah, it's a USB headset. So I'm, I'm curious maybe the, the, if the USB port's dirty, you would, you would lose data going transferring because it's all digital, it's all ones and zeros, it's not analog. So um, anyways, I'm sorry about that. Any, uh, I do have a quick question before we do move on because I'm, I'm curious what you're going to say about Black Ops because with the whole EA pass, I was looking it up while you guys were talking, and it's $30 a year. So I was completely wrong with what I was stating about the price point. Now, do you get every EA release with that $30 or do you get limited play? Because like for me, if I, literally if I'm only playing NHL, $30 a year is still a better value than $48 in my 20% off at Best Buy. Just to, yeah. just to subscribe to that. So do I get NHL unlocked all the time or no it's going to be the previous year it's uh like madden comes out and the new madden comes out the old one is free um all new releases give you a 10-hour demo that you can play through like 15 percent of the campaign or jump on multiplayer but they don't allow you to get everything new it's mostly okay. the older stuff like as soon as mass effect andromeda people stopped talking about it it went into the ea access. Oh, really? yeah <laughs> so. that might be a good value for me because i got you know i ever since i had my second kid i don't know if any of you guys have kids or not but like the first year of your child's life you have like no time for yourself so like my oldest is three almost three and a half so she's pretty like you know i can play video games with her it's awesome but you know having a baby still it's like there's that weird point where like you have to always, you don't have that free time like you, you used to. So uh, it might actually be a good service for me to get caught up on some of the games I missed over the last 12 months. Um, I don't know. I might actually look into it. Now I'm kind of intrigued. It's, uh, it could be a good value for 30 bucks for 12 months and just kind of like yeah. burn through the backlog. So oh, there's yeah, good games it. on there. There's the Dragon Age, the Dragon Age games. Are on, if you're on Xbox, the Dragon Age games are on there. The Mass Effect games are on there. there I mean, there's a good library on there. Yeah, right. Madden, Madden's on there. NFL, right? Say it again. I'm sorry. You, you you can use your your subscription on both PS4 and Xbox One. We're not no, sure as far as that. I know, you can't pass it back and forth. Oh, you cannot. Okay, I'm sorry. But I'm at sorry. the price of thirty dollars, it's pretty affordable if you wanted to get it on both consoles. And yeah, uh, was that be sixty dollars? Sixty dollars for the you? Do you have to pay for both? You'd have to pay for both. Is it not an EA hub? Is is uh, they not going to add it to the Sony side? And then it, yeah, so that's what Jordan was asking. So if not, then you're going to pay $60 a year for both consoles? Well, I can yeah. say they do that with PC already. So um, I would assume so. And like, like I said, that would, the, you, Microsoft and uh, PlayStation would have to communicate and interchange accounts, which, um, you know, just ju judging by that what they've done in the past, I don't think they would allow that. 
Yeah. Fair enough. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that was bad. I, I personally would just stick to one console and have it on one. I wouldn't see the value in having it on both consoles. Yeah, and I think that's what most people do. And I think um, it's weird because a lot of my friends that play sports games, they're on PlayStation. So uh, I don't know about you guys, if you have any friends that play sports on the Xbox, but I see a lot of people playing sports on PlayStation. Hmm. All right, so uh, Black Ops 4, I just wanted to mention that they're dropping split screen. So, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what is going on with this. Um, does it, Have any of you guys heard about this? Do any of you guys play it? No. I have not heard about this until I saw your note, but that, that bothers me because I, I fell in love with Call of Duty with, like, the OG Modern Warfare, playing split screen with my friends, you know, couch, like, on a couch, and it's just, like, I don't know. It takes away a feature that made so many people love, like fall in love with the Call of Duty games. It's just playing with your friends on split screen and just yelling and drinking and just being assholes with each other, like in a room. So, yeah, for sure. And I could definitely, um, I could definitely say that Xbox definitely is putting an emphasis on co-op with the new Gears game and a lot of their new games. They're still putting an emphasis on couch co-op. Um, at their E3 this year, they had, uh, what, what is that? Battletoads? Battletoads. Yeah, Battletoads. Yeah. And it's all couch co-op. It's not even online-based. Good. Love it. Can't wait to buy yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I think that sounds fun. And a lot of people really still love to play with their friends. And uh, this whole era of online gaming has disconnected people a lot. You know, you hear a voice on the other end of the chat, and uh, you could care less about them. You know, you could swear at them. You know, there's a lot of toxicity online. So I think there is a need for couch co-op, and I think uh, gamers will appreciate that. Oh, yeah, no, of course. And I've got many memories of playing couch co-op with my brother, and, you know, I get one up on him on, say, I don't know, the Worms games on PlayStation 1 way back when. And awesome. he literally, and he would literally punch me. So there was still toxic toxicity back then. <laughs> but, hey, yeah. does anybody remember GoldenEye or Perfect Dark on the oh, N64? Just running around playing on a screen that's, like, no bigger Slaps than, like, only. six inches by six inches? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Couch Cop has a certain charm to it. They can't take that away. And, and if they're taking it away on this, you know, something that's already released, future releases are all guaranteed to have no split screen, and that honestly pisses me off. I agree one hundred percent with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I how, how old are you guys? I'm just curious because this might kind of help to better get a like a good 23. idea. Who? Which one's twenty three? Me. Twenty three. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Thirty. I'm thirty three. Thirty seven. Um, I was a freshman in high school when the 64 came out and it was like, it was such a big deal that we could play GoldenEye and Mario Kart and all these games on, you know, the, the Brady Bunch, the four, the four screens. Like that was a big deal. That was exciting. And that was, that was my, my teen years was 64 couch co-op. And, uh, it's just, I don't want to lose that in gaming. And I, I get it that it, it, the, the other issue is that really the Xbox one, the PS4, even their 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 pro and their X's, they're still such old hardware that it's like they have an issue where they're like, well, do we put out the best looking, best playable game with the highest frame rates and resolutions, or do we kind of cut that back to allow for split screen? So I'm hoping with the next hardware, with how great the specs are for both of them, that they're gonna be able to give us great fidelity and at the same time give us great features like split screen co-op. Because I really think that Hardware has been the limitation of couch co-op is why they've had to kind of cut it out. It's just because just trying to process that much graphical, that much graphics, you know, split into two has been an issue from what I've been hearing and reading. So, 
When I try all of you, I'm 40. Oh, God. <laughs> I bought Black Ops 4 uh, when it came out. And, well, I, I bought it a month after it came out because I wanted to play with my friends that were playing the game. And uh, then, because it came out in October, so I bought it in November. And by the beginning of the next year, the popularity of it had already started dying off because of other games that were coming out. And so I haven't put as much time as I should have in that game. Um, I wish I would have put more into it. But one thing is, is it's one thing to release a game that doesn't have split screen because, hey, all right, you know, I know this game doesn't have split screen. But to take it away, that, that that's basically, you know, nicking a feature that was, you know, some people may have bought the game for that feature. And to just take it away, that's actually kind of silly because why, why would you do that? Yeah, it seems like a ridiculous move for them to make. Um, I think they're kind of tone deaf this generation, uh, especially like, you know, black. They're with the two studios that Call of Duty has, they all do something that catches, um, you know, media attention. You know, Black Ops 4 drop, dropping split screen, uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Didn't they not have a campaign or was that? No, that's, no, that's Black Ops. That was Black, black Ops 4. Okay. Okay. And there's three studios putting out games for them. Damn. Really? Yeah. That's how they're really? able to put out a game every year. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I think I it's mean... like Avalanche, uh, Black Raven, and Treyarch? No, it's right Treyarch, Sledgehammer, and um, uh, Treyarch, Sledgehammer, and Fa. Okay, you guys keep talking. I'm going to go look at my shelf of games. I'll tell you. Hold on a second. I could have swore it was Avalanche, but I could be completely no, no, wrong. wrong. Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 man he's like a detective over there he's like hold on i ain't gonna get this information wrong he's, de he's determined to go give him that but now but the only thing is by having three studios doing this we all see that there's actually been issues like uh right now um obviously they took a feature away of a campaign in black ops 4 and everybody him hot about that and now with the new uh Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Warfare that's coming out, they're obviously putting that feature back in. So this might be another one of those moves of, oh, we took that out. Now people aren't happy with that. They're going to bring it well, back. Do you, think but, it's a case uh, of, do you think it's a case of any publicity is, is good publicity, get people talking about their product so they are purposefully taken off just to I, piss people off? I think uh, that's stupid. A classic example of that is uh, their game that's coming out is considered extremely violent. That right there, come on, you're basically waving a flag at that point trying to get as much people to notice your product as possible yeah i mean games have always been violent you know it's like i don't see it getting any worse i i feel like it's getting better you know it's just the fact that the hardware is able to show it with so much more detail lighting it's, gore for me it's not the detail of the violence because come on we've all played some games where there's people and zombies and stuff running around with entrails hanging out it was more along the decisions you have to make in the game to force right. somebody like when like they were talking about in one part of the demo um a guy doing a review on the demo had been put in a situation where they were going through a house in total silence like splinter cell total stealth mode and a woman walks into the hallway carrying a baby and the baby starts crying and one of the characters behind you says we need to shut that kid up now and you have the option to basically shoot the woman and the kid to basically silence her because they could blow your cover. It makes you have that decision. But the thing is, 
the person doing the demo chose not to shoot her and the kid and the kid actually stopped crying and the game went on. So it's not like they were forced to pull the trigger, but it was the fact that they had to have that thought. And a lot of people don't really want to be put in a compromising situation like that. But there is soldiers every single day in this world, no matter what military they come from, that actually have mental uh, instability from being put in situations like that. And so therefore they're actually wanting to help people understand the kind of trauma that there is associated in trying to make us to make a decision like that. Yeah, that's, really for well sure. that's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad you put it that way. Cause that's really interesting. That's uh, you know, it's just, it's, you're not forced to do it. It's whether or not you feel you should do it or shouldn't do it. So uh, by the way, real quickly, it's sledgehammer infinity ward and Treyarch. Those are the, there we go. Here. So awesome. Awesome. We've got the detective on the case. And we are <laughs> it's funny with the evidence, the whole violence in video games thing. I was, uh, geez, 11 and 12 with mortal Kombat, And I remember when it was coming to console and super Nintendo, I, I had a super Nintendo, not a Genesis. I was one of those weirdos at the time. Cause remember everyone had a Genesis. I feel like, and I got a super Nintendo, but, um, my Mortal Kombat, they didn't have blood. It was just like gray sweat that came. That would come out somebody when you would hit them. It was really goofy in retrospect. But they made such a big deal about that, that it was like such uh, such disturbing violence in video games. Well, so. they already do. Uh, they already have a tab in the menu where it says you can reduce gore or whatever in most video games. I've seen it. Yeah. But uh, what, what I can say is if it's all mind-numbing violence, you know, and you don't have to think, you know, what am I doing to people? Uh, I can't harm this person. When games just have nonstop violence, in my eyes, it's better to give them real consequences of their actions. And that way people can think. And in my eyes, it's better. Better for gaming, better for the individual playing the game. When you point your gun at your ally, the gun just kind of magnetizes away from him. Why, or the crosshair disappears. Why not be able to shoot him? And if you do, you know, he says like, what are you doing, man? You're killing me or whatever, you know? Just like I, I think it makes you think more about what you're doing. And, yeah, have any uh, of you played Rainbow Six Siege? I've not I, ha I have oh, it, but I haven't really. I don't know it. how many times I have played with. A, I have a really good group of friends. We're always gaming together. For a while there, we were playing Rainbow Six Siege religiously, and like to put it into those consequences in Rainbow Six Siege, you do like you know there is consequences in not checking where your team is. It's not like you know. In certain games, there's a silhouette on the other side of the wall. If there's your teammate, you need to know your teammates on the other side of that wall because in certain spots in Rainbow Six Siege, you know, if you're, it's like real life. If you shoot at a piece of drywall, the bullets are going to travel through the wall. I don't know how many times I've either I've either killed one of my friends or they've killed me because they were basically chasing a dude down, shooting at him, and he ran past the wall and they fired through the wall and actually got me or I got them. Like we would accidentally kill each other all the time just because we were completely unaware of where our teammates were. And it's just like that in real life, you know. Soldiers have to basically know where their other compadres are, otherwise they can unintentionally kill one of their friends. Yeah, and I think that's great, right? Well, what do you think, Mask? Um, well, I was going to say, did any of you play America's Armies? It was an old online uh, game that was on the PC. Uh, I'm not sure if maybe my age is showing now. But there was uh, American Armies, and it was kind of like Counter-Strike, but you had to go through full training. Um, you had to do your marksman. You had to do a medical check. It was quite boring to start with, but you went through it. And then you went online, and you played online, and whoever you're playing against was... It didn't matter 
they would see themselves as the army, you would be the terrorist, and then it'd sweep around, you know, depending on what side you were on. But if you killed any of your, uh, your teammates, depending on the severity of it, your score system would go down. And I did one once where I threw a frag, didn't sh shout anything, took five of my teammates out. And what it does is it sticks you in prison and you have to start the whole game again. You have to do all your training. And it was quite realistic. But I think that's the whole thing now. It's, it's, I think the, the whole argument is, is that the people who are buying the games um, for their kids don't pay attention to the Peggy rating. They don't pay attention to any of that. You know, mom, dad, I want this. It's GTA. And it's got an 18 rating on the back, but they're still going to buy it for them. So I think it's where it's starting to kick off about the arguments of, of we shouldn't have so much violence and it's changing the way that people are thinking about it. It's not. It's been like that for years. We've, we've all played games where it's blood, gore, popping holes in people's heads and everything. Yeah. Well, uh, here, here in the States, anyways, we have a lot of violence and a lot of uh, shootings and they like to blame it on video games all the time. So... You know, it's more like um, <clears throat> there's a lot more people that are depressed. There's a lot more people with mood problems. And there's a lot of instability uh, with the economy, the housing market. So all these things have an effect on people. And uh, anytime there's terrorist activity in a country, there's going to be violence. And there's a lot of unrest right now. And I really think um, a, a, a normal person is not going to turn into a serial killer from video games. But that's just my opinion. I don't know about that. <laughs> You're right, right, of course. And so, as a parent, it's it's our responsibility to to control what our kids are absorbing. I'm so it's even more like annoying now that I actually do have kids. Where it's like you hear these stories about you know the, the government needs to step in. The, the you know the, the kids shouldn't be seeing this. Well, where are the parents? You know where nice cat. <laughs> what, what, huh. Saying hi. I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, it's no parents are taking responsibility. Like I'm not going to let my, my daughter sit down and play call of duty with me. Like that's dumb. You know, like that's, I'm, I would be dumb for doing that. That would be irresponsible of me to, to show her that kind of violence at three and a half years old. Yeah. There's a reason why the games are mature and it's 17 up. And if your kid's 14 and playing a game, you know, maybe he's doing something that he shouldn't be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if your kid's a couple grades ahead or is really smart and you think he can handle uh, divisive situations and uh, critical thinking on tough situations, then maybe let him play it. But if not, if you're not 17, shouldn't be playing the game. And there's a reason that they have these tags. And even what they show on TV nowadays is very risque to what it was when I was a kid. Everything on television is violent sex nudity it's 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 a lot different than when we grew up in the 90s or the 80s you know it's just gotten progressively worse and worse so it's not you know just so, video games and everything to interrupt sorry um i've got two things for starters uh have any of you ever heard of gaming forte uh no. he's a yeah he's a podcaster i believe he's on the basement radio arcade um don't quote me on that he i believe he is um, he's actually a manager at GameStop and he's like, he actually informs people all the time when they're, when they bring their kid in to buy uh, grand theft auto, he actually tells the parent about the game and he's like, it either goes one of two ways. The parent doesn't care 
or the parent was completely unaware that the game was even like that because they pay no attention to the kind of material that their kid is taking in. But I hate how they relate it all to video games because you're right. We do live in a very violent, uh, like, you know, there's a lot of violence in entertainment, in the movies, television, music. Um, but out of all of that, one of the most graphic images I have seen this year actually came from CNN. And it was actually here a few weeks ago where they showed a photo of um, a person that had tried swimming across here into the States. So, you, you know, he was trying to uh, cross the border here in the United States and he had drowned and his three-year-old little girl was with him. And they actually showed a photo of this individual laying face down in the water. Both him and his daughter had drowned to death. And this was the image that they had put on the CNN website. And that right there, I was just like, holy freaking cow, that is like an in-your-face graphic image like that would stick with a lot of people, including children, and that's probably one of the most graphic things I've seen all year. That's awful. Yeah, yeah, that was awful. Uh, coincidentally, right before the Democratic debate that came out, so that was a little bit horrible for people to see. But um, I don't know. I don't know who wants to get politically charged here, you know? doesn't. Uh... So No, we're not wanting to make it political, but it just comes down to what would you rather do? Would you rather want to show your person, your kid, a fantasyful idea of somebody going around doing horrendous things or actually showing them a photo of a real life horrendous thing? You know, I grew up around a world war two vet. Um, I'm very grateful for that. And by doing that, I also got to see photos of the beaches of Normandy literally hours after the occurrence of D day. I know what it looks like to see a beach full of dead soldiers laying face down in the mud with entrails and blood and gore everywhere. And that was because he wanted me to know the violence of war. And I feel I was raised by a very good man in that fact that, you know, I basically know what the, the, the horrible side of humanity can be. And that's one thing like, you know, that's why you need to definitely teach a big, lesson in the difference between reality and fantasy um so definitely parents have to be very engaged in what they expose their kids to but also at the same time they need to give them the lessons of the difference between reality and fantasy because they can't be helicopter parents and expect them to never see a horrible thing in their life but they need to have that that mental thing of like this is not the way people should really act yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, kids have um, cell phones, tablets, computers at a very early age. Um, I'm not a parent, so I can't particularly comment. But I know when I was a kid, I wanted a cell phone and I didn't care what parents or adults said. And I had to have one. So I know what it's like. And um, I kind of understand it. But I see 10 year olds with uh, touchscreen cell phones, iPhones, and all that stuff and you can look up anything you want we all know that and growing up in the 90s there was a vhs tape circulating my neighborhood called faces of death oh and god i remember hearing about those and it was real people dying in the most horrific ways and uh you know i'm about 10 11 and seeing that and i didn't like it so i'm not a very violent person you know i love animals but i love playing video games and when i shoot someone in a video game it's a lot different than in real life but you know there's a lot of people with um mental disabilities and other issues and it's hard for them to distinguish 
um, you know, real life and video games. So I do understand that. And I think that's why there, uh, you know, there needs to be parental discretion when it comes to violence in video games. Of course. We were actually, I was, uh, when we watched the E3 Xbox press conference, it was my wife and my daughter on the couch. And I was, we were about 45 minutes behind. So we were just, I rewound the live stream on YouTube. And when they got to um, uh, Cyberpunk, if you don't remember, like the gameplay show was really gory at, at some points. I was like, oh shit. I'm like, let me just fast forward through this a little bit here. It's just like, I don't want exposure to it. She already saw a little bit of it. And I'm like, I don't want, it's just, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not real. It's clearly not, it's not, game graphics are still not realistic. I mean, they're very realistic, but they're not lifelike still. But still, it's like, it's something I just don't even want to deal with yet at this point in my life with her. You know, it's this is a responsible, semi-responsible parent. I'll put semi because I'm not the most responsible parent, but yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to talk to your kids about what's going on in the world. And, uh, you know, we, people should be involved and explain things like that because, you know, growing up, I had one parent that was like, oh, you need to know the ways of the world and you always have to be kind to people. And then my father never spoke. His father died in World War II, never talked about war, never talked about anything. Um, the only time he would say stuff is when he was mad. I have a better relationship with him now that I'm grown up, but I just remember, don't make him mad. That's it. So, you know, it all, it all depends on how you were raised and everything. And uh, Centurion, that's awesome that you were able to get that type of insight about war uh, because war is a terrible thing. And, uh, you know, appreciate you oh, sharing that. Yeah, no, I, I was grateful to be raised around somebody that was actually able to give me like that. Cause you know, you know, regretfully there's not people of that mental nature really left in our world very often anymore. Like, I mean, they were raised in a total different time uh, when like literally the world was, you know, oh my God, you know, you had a force that was literally trying to go for world domination. You know, nowadays people don't really think about, you know, everybody's here in their happy little bubble, you know, um, living life uh, as best that they can, not with no, you know, idea that if things would have went any differently back then, we could have a total, you know, everybody uh, use the game Wolfenstein. That, yep. that game explores the idea of if things went differently. Yeah, it's not going to be as fantasyful. We're not going to have like dudes running around in robotics and stuff like that. But, you know, you never know because a lot of people don't really. I, I love World War II and learning about it. Hitler, excuse the expression, his scientists actually created technology that our military is using today. Missiles, right? Uh, drones, like literally the idea of a drone came out of World War II. Um, yeah. it was, and they were using them for target practice. And then they grew into the idea of, well, whoa, wait a minute. We could fly this thing over to the UK and we could start bombing them and not have a pilot involved. So a lot of the technology that came out of world war two is still implemented today. Not, and, not only that, but have you heard of uh, operation paperclip? I don't know if uh, your relative knows anything about that, but uh, a bunch of scientists came over from Nazi Germany and the U S you know, gave them new names, um, you know, oh, and, uh, oh yeah. Like here's the thing, the guy who created the vengeance missile, that was what it was called was the vengeance missile. The guy who created that thing was brought over here to the United States and basically treated as an international hero because 
He helped put a man on the moon. He sat in mission control during the Apollo 11 moon landing and everybody was basically patting each other on the back because this guy was the father of rocket technology. But yeah, instead of that being a rich, created. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. The guy who created the Apollo 11 moon landing, the guy who made it possible with rocket technology got his start in creating weapons of mass destruction. Wow. Yeah, the field of science is very a uh, very interesting thing and uh unfortunately there's no space race anymore. Um, you know, a lot of stuff came from that. A lot of stuff came from uh war, World War II. And uh, it's very, very interesting stuff. My light just died here. Um, <laughs> very interesting stuff. And uh, have, have any of you guys watched Chernobyl? Not yet. I want to. First episode. My wife watched the whole series. I was unfortunately on the road for work, so I didn't watch it with her. But it's, it's on my list of shows to watch. Go on. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, I wanted to know uh, you guys, uh, your guys' opinions if you wanted to watch it. Um, it's pretty horrifying. Uh, once you get to the third episode, uh, beware. And, uh, you know, I, I was ready to break down crying and turn it off because it was so horrible what these people look like after that nuclear radiation. And, uh, you know, I think we shouldn't have anything like that at all because you really can't trust that in anyone's hands. You know, um, they say pressure makes diamonds, but, you know, uh, it, put, put people, you, you know, the leaders of the United States up against enough pressure from uh, South Korea, North Korea, uh, Russia, wherever, and there could be an all-out war any second. So I, I just think we shouldn't have those things. And, you know, uh, we need to do research and find new technology and all this stuff. But those weapons of mass destruction are scary beyond belief. Uh, nuclear radiation melts your skin right off your body, and it doesn't happen right away. It happens depending on how close you are to it. Uh, you literally turn inside out until you die. It, it's horrifying. See... I, uh, when you watch a lot of stuff about World War II, and I even watched a lot of stuff about the actual Chernobyl thing, um, actual historical footage, uh, they say when the worst of humanity comes out, so does the best of humanity. You know, it's kind of like the whole idea of a yin yang, you know, while the, while some of the most evilest people in the world are running around showing their faces, doing things, it also gives rise to some of the best people you'll ever encounter in your life. Like, we'll use the Chernobyl thing, for example. Yeah, that that whole situation was messed up. It was melting down. Uh, there was radiation everywhere. And rather, and when everybody was running away, not wanting to deal with it, there was a select few that shouldered up and took the responsibility of what was going on. And they marched right into that situation because they knew if they couldn't stop that thing from melting down, the world would be messed up so like uh, i watched one documentary because as they were trying to get to the reactor to uh stop it they had to dig their way through to the reactor and because it exploded so they had to dig their way through the rubble to get to it and there was a story about while they were digging to it through it um one of the guys digging actually inhaled a particle of plutonium it actually settled in his lungs Jeez. And it basically, when you get plutonium inside you, it's like basically getting inside a microwave. You're basically cooking from the inside out. And they knew what, you know, they knew that guy was done for. And so they got him out of there. But that was like the risks that they knew they were taking. 
And when the reactor exploded, it actually shot plutonium everywhere. Um, and there's footage of guy like firefighters running on the tops of roofs with shovels, picking up these chunks of plutonium on the end of a shovel and dumping them off the side of the roof because they had to get them down to ground level for somebody to dispose of them. And the thing is, though, they knew every time they got near a chunk of plutonium, that was just as that was that much more radiation that their bodies were, you know, getting oh, yeah. into. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and some of these people weren't even told like the first responders. They just said it was, uh, you know, a fire on the roof and it, it shows all the firemen going there and uh, none of them survived from what from what I. Oh, heard. yeah. If you go the guys that explore uh, Prepia today. They can't go down below because there's actually like a subterranean area to the city and down below there's like all these like hallways and pathways and what they did is um, anybody who was still surviving the incident, they would take their firefighting gear off or whatever clothes they were wearing and put them in a pile and then they would go to be decontaminated. Well, these uh, piles of clothes got so big that nobody could go near them. They're still to this day, and when they go down there and they take a reading off of them, they're just as radioactive today as when it when that whole incident went down. Like if you go anywhere near these piles of clothes, you get a dose of radiation that will actually affect your life. Yeah, well, I think that, isn't it the center of the center of Chernobyl? There's they call it the elephant's foot. It's the melted rods. It's the most radioactive and poisonous point on the planet. My yeah. question to everyone quickly would be. Would you play a video game about Chernobyl? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if it was, one. I would say it had to be done like uh, almost like Lairs of Fear or like the Blair Witch product, a project, something like that, that could be kept historically accurate, but also have that intensity that, you know, this is serious and it's actually really scary. Yeah. Yeah. The things they had to go through to get that under control is amazing. I mean, I personally, unless it was in my own backyard, am not going to march down somewhere that's radioactive to save millions of other people. You know, I would be so scared to die. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to die like that. Yeah, I'll well, admit it. I'm the same way. Why would would not want to sacrifice myself for that? It's I'm I'm not. I'm also not strong enough to ever be a soldier. I I have so much respect for those that have the, the ability to do that. I, I don't think I have the ability or strength you, to do that. And uh, explain radiation. Like, did you guys, did you guys know the show river monsters? Nope. Yeah. No. I watched uh, it. Okay. Um, Jeremy Wade, the dude from river monsters, what he's a biologist and he was tasked with the thing to go down to Chernobyl and actually see how the wildlife was doing. Well, the, the aquatic wildlife was doing, uh, due to the Chernobyl incident. And he was given a set of rules when he, the first rule was when you're out on a boat in the water, if you fall into the water, don't hit the bottom because all the nuclear fallout, it's, it's heavy metal. It all settled to the bottom of the lakes and the rivers there. And they told him, they're like, if you come into contact with the bottom of any body of water, you're, you're done for. And then they also made him wear a device that kept track of radiation and radiation moved. It would move with the wind. Like in one moment, he'd be standing there and all of a sudden the thing would go off because the winds changed. It actually is like this invisible cloud that moves around and you can't predict it at any time. And so when his uh, Geiger counter would go off, they'd have to get the hell out of there. 
because it basically pushed the radiation where they were going. It just moved around. Yeah, that's freaking scary stuff, man. Dude, you, you've got to watch uh, the, the series on HBO. I, th I think you'll love it. I oh, I know about, I will. I just got to find the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched about two episodes in a row, I think Friday night. Um, and I came home, I had a little bit of time, and I was like, should I play video games or watch Chernobyl? And I was like, yeah. You know what? Because I already watched a little bit of it, and it really like is it's a it's an awesome awesome show. They shot it beautifully. Everything is like uh, told the way it happened, and from the perspectives of the first responders, their family, and uh, it's a very meaningful series. And uh, I've got to commend HBO for putting that out there. Okay, sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in and out all the time. Um, I'm going to have to scooch. No oh, worries. No problem, Thanks for joining us. Later. Thanks. I know I didn't put too much in, but I, I tried my best. Um, have fun, guys, and I'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks. Thanks for coming on as well, man. Appreciate well, it. Well, for enough for a change of pace, Pizzle, what's el what else is on the agenda? What else is on the agenda? Um, I kind of just wanted to get together and talk to some of you guys. Um, I, I'm very excited uh, to hear about how content creators see YouTube and everything. And I know you guys create content of your own. So um, I think we can go a little bit more into that. But uh, r really quickly, let's just... Um, so we do, do, do... Did we talk about the game GameStop issue that that's going on? Not we yet. were talking about it before the show, like we were all like first hanging out in the in the hangouts. Uh, and I, I actually, someone was telling a story that I thought was so interesting. We, I wanted to save it for a topic of the video. So, um, no, we did not talk about it on camera. Yeah. So uh, go go ahead, Jordan, and uh, if you got anything to say about it, and then we'll get uh, Centurion to put his piece in. And uh, what 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 exactly is going on? Well, Centurion, you were the one that was telling that story about the guy that has been making videos about YouTube. He worked there for 11 years, left there, what, you said seven months ago. Now they're basically trying to sue him to take down his videos. They're pretty much giving insight into how the company is ran. Is that correct? Yeah, they're, I, the guy's name is Camelot. I don't know if everything, I don't know. I don't know if what he's putting out is 100% factual. If it is, it's pretty damning. Um, according to his stories, he worked there for 11 years. He was an assistant manager uh, and he's released a lot of videos as of recently. Um, anywhere from what he was expected to do the, from the first years he worked there to the final years he worked there, the ins and outs of how the structure of the company and how managers conducted themselves. Uh, he, he talked about how they would take advantage of people that could barely speak English and they would, uh, sneak, uh, the pro memberships onto their, uh, receipts, uh, basically cause they were wanting, um, they, drove that you need to get people to sign up for these subscriptions. Your job actually depended on those numbers and your job also depended on what they call the circle of life, which is their used game sales. And he just recently uh, released a video saying that he's had some of his old employees calling him from these game stops, um, that the GameStop corporate is starting to investigate his employment there and who is still in contact with him. And there's starting to become rumors coming out that he might be looking at getting an injunction from GameStop to cease and desist all his content and everything he's putting out because it's like almost on like defamation of character. Um, yeah, and believe, one of it, 
one of his videos that he just recently released talked about how if you go near their used games, like the area where they process all the used games for all the game stops and all the consoles, it's like Fort Knox. Apparently you have to have special clearance to get in and out of this building. You, they metal detect people as they come out. Um, you're not allowed to bring anything in. Like you have to like check your cell phones in and stuff like that. You're not allowed to have cameras in there. And the rumor is inside this facility, they have a machine that is specifically designed to process new games into used games. It removes the wrapping from them and it basically processes them into a used game. So because GameStop, what he's saying is GameStop is trying to fluff their used game market for investors. So that way investors will keep investing into the company and they can stay alive. So when they have, we'll say 3 million new games come in, he said they'll ther theoretically take a million of those games and convert them into new games. I mean, used games, because he said it was unusual when new games would be coming out and they're getting already boxes of used copies of that game. And they would look at the bottom of the disc and the thing looked, you know, pristine. So he said it was very unusual when he was working there that they would, during a game release, also have used copies of that game already. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like some crooked stuff. And uh, unfortunately, I believe it. I don't know about you guys, but the moment I traded in my first video game and saw how much money they were giving me, I was so shocked. And I would never trade anything in there unless I was uh, fiending for a crack rock or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it, it's really not worth it, you know. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be so sad to see them go, but I don't want them to go because I do feel like it's a part of gaming nostalgia wise uh what, what do you think about it jordan so i i avoid gamestop like the freaking plague uh i would never trade anything in except unless it's a great situation now when i say a great situation when i got my ps4 pro they were running a promotion where they were giving 225 dollar trading credit on a ps4 towards a pro so that was literally exactly the best I could have gotten for it selling it you. So I was like, well, why the hell not? This, this is a way I would trade in my console. Um, but other than that, no, it's funny. Just from personal experiences, I, I have a friend that used to work at GameStop, and he would renew my membership so that way he wouldn't get in trouble for not selling them that day. Like, as an example, I remember like he texted me, he's like, hey, I'm going to renew your membership. I'm like, why? He's like, well, I, just, I couldn't get any sold this week. And uh, I, I just don't want to get written up. So I'm just going to pay for it out of pocket. Like, how fucking stupid is that? That he had yeah. to pay out of pocket for a membership. And it's it's unfreaking believable. Now, the other thing is that what's interesting about the whole opening up games and selling his use is that um, I'm a big uh, PS Vita fan. I love collecting for the Vita. It's one of those weird niche consoles that those that love it, love it. And I remember I would go to GameStop when they would have games, that, Vita games that are used. And they would be like collector's editions, and everything is still sealed in the box. And it's yeah. called, they're calling it used. Yeah. But it's really, when they clearance something, they just put a used sticker on and take the plastic off. Like, as an example, like, it's, it's, it's just, it's no different. They're fluffing those used numbers because they sold to me technically as used, but it was new. It was, everything was still there. Like, everything with like decals to skins to everything you would expect in like a collector's edition for a Vita game. And uh, it's unbelievable. It's just, they're so freaking shady. So shady. Such a shame. I've bought in games from GameStop where the digital code cards inside the codes were never used. Yeah, that's I'm too. still trying to figure that out. 
Yeah, yeah, that that's hilarious. You know, and uh, they really need to do something because uh, we've got digital games being more and more prominent. We've got streaming services launching this year. Anytime you buy Xbox Gold or PSN, it's a digital code. So the the reasons that you would go to GameStop, other than to buy actual hardware, consoles, whatever, it, it they're dropping to below the need for one. And sad to say, I don't think they'll be around much longer. And I think you'll see this desperation continue, unfortunately. <laughs> They're, they're going to have one more big sales boom, and that'll be next fall. Not this fall, coming out next fall when the new consoles launch. Obviously, they'll make money there, but they're going to they're gonna continue to hemorrhage money. They're going to continue to report loss, and I think if they can survive to the next console launch, they'll make some money there, but after that, it's they're, they're dead. They're dead in the water because, yes, you're right. There is more people buying digital content, but there's still plenty of people that swear by physical media. I love physical media. I love my shelves of games. I, I love it. It's Maybe it's a generational thing, but they're still buying physical games, but they're avoiding GameStop. They don't, I don't like going to GameStop because I don't like being harassed. I, don't remind me that I saved $4.74 on used games the last 12 months because I barely enter your store. I, I should renew my membership. Well, no, I don't want to buy used games. I want to buy games. Like, I don't get, I would rather the developer have that, that one more notch showing that another copy of their game was sold for $5 more new than buying it used to save the money. And like I said, I do have gamers club unlocked. So 55 views on a game is still more expensive than $48 new on a game at Best Buy for me. But I just, I don't like the way they handle things. They harass you. They make you feel guilty. They're, what do you want to pre-order? Why do I need to pre-order a game? I mean, it's collection of digital one thing, but why do I need to pre-order a $60 game? Are you going to run out of them? Like, well, we do. We only order enough. I'm like, well, that's your own freaking problem then. I'm yeah. sorry. It's not your store with stuff. Like, like, if you intend on selling it, like, get it in your store. That's so dumb. Like, how how much are you hurting that you can't send the money on inventory? Just you know, that, the worst case scenario, really you could just buy the game digitally if they run out. You know, right. they act like they're the only place that has it. And then on top of that, we'll use Walmart, for example. Walmart on release days now are starting to sell these games at 50 bucks as like an incentive to get people to go there and buy it when it first comes out. If you go to GameStop, it's 60 bucks or the used copy is 55 bucks. But right. if you go down the road to your local Walmart, you can get a brand new for 50 bucks. It's like they it's like their competition is out to basically run them into the ground. Right. Yeah, it, it's getting to the point where these companies, they don't make any money on sales of stuff. Like in uh, Best Buy, they they harass you a little bit too. Do you want to buy protection for the disc? Um, $2. No. I mean, why, why would I? By the time the disc corrodes and breaks, we're not even going to be using discs anymore. Right. And uh, service packages on this stuff. Unless it's something you need for a professional, uh, profession for your job or for your business, say digital camcorders or whatever, I don't see you buying a protection plan. A big purchase, maybe like an OLED TV. You might be worried about uh, image retention and and certain things, you know. But they force it on the stupidest things, like video. Uh, let's buy protection on a video game. It's like um, you know, it's very predatory and. Uh, I think a lot of people just say yes so they don't have to hear the person go on and on and on. <laughs> and I know exactly what you're talking about with that GameStop bullcrap because I would go in there once a year and they would immediately tell me how much money I missed out on. And if I bought used, they don't say that. They just say if you had your pro membership, 
And then I'm like, well, um, I don't buy used games. Oh, but yeah, but you could still, you might buy them or you might trade something in. And it's like, you, you know, let's, let's stop going into all these things that theoretically might happen in my life because, you know, I know what I'm going to do and I don't want to spend any more money. Like you guys said, there's so many subscriptions out there. And, uh, I think GameStop and, you know, physical stores are dying out, especially because Amazon will, um, will offer so many incentives and for a while amazon had the same discount that best buy had or yeah. or i think it was 10 percent. it was 20 percent if you pre-ordered or bought it within the first 14 days oh wow but, yeah but now amazon and uh best buy are offering this thing where if you pre-order a game you get ten dollars store credit yep when you go pick that game up you get ten dollars store credit so they're actually you know because at 20 percent off you got twelve dollars off the game Yep. You're still technically almost getting that 20%, but instead of putting it money in your pocket, it's issued as a, a basically an e-gift card that you have to go back and use in the store. But still, you know, you could stack those things and actually get a free game eventually if you bought enough. Absolutely. So here's a great example. The new Pokemon when it comes out. I'm gonna I'm gonna pre-order it so I get the ten dollars. I'm also gonna get the twenty percent off. So I'll pay forty-eight for it. Then they're gonna give me a ten dollar uh, reward zone, you know, certificate. So theoretically, I'm going to get the new Pokemon on release date for $38. Like, yeah, how, how awesome. can you beat that? That's amazing. I'm a big fan of Best Buy, and I think it's a shame that they got rid of that Gamers Club. Yeah. Uh, I think they offered it for too long. Maybe if they did yearly. I had bought three years for $20, which uh, enabled me to save way more than $20. Absolutely. Um, and Best Buy, you know, they have everything. It's like the Walmart of tech. It is. So... Uh, I really do love Best Buy, but because they don't make commission from selling stuff, I think a lot of the people that work here work there are underpaid, and uh, that's unfortunate. Oh, they make commission off TV sales. Do they? I, I heard. Oh they. yeah, like me and my wife have stood in stood in those in those uh, areas, and you'll hear them uh, say, "Hey, you can have this sale," because they're helping other employees out, basically boost their commission. Uh, yeah, they get commission off of stuff like televisions and like appliances. It's not on everything. It's just on like big, big ticket items. Like if you go in there and buy an Xbox, there's no one getting commission on that. But if you're going in there buying a 4K television, that's why when you go into the TV section, they're almost like car salesmen at that point. Yep. I can see that. Yeah. Makes yeah well, they, they have specialized service providers for Magnolia. And I've spoken to a manager who told me they didn't make commission. What they make money off of is uh, stupid sure. little stuff like the HDMI cables oh. and uh, actually selling those packages, those uh, warranty and geek squad. And I've actually heard that Best Buy with the products alone has not been profitable for some time. And what actually makes them profitable is the services they offer repairs, uh, warranties, geek squad protection. Oh, dude, their warranties are awesome. Uh, I bought a 4K television. Um, I I paid for my five year warranty because who wants to uh you know watch because I had a television die on me one time that in a year and I never bought the warranty and that shot me in the foot. So yeah, I always get the extended warranty. But the nice part of it is about their Geek Squad, their uh, Geek Squad extended warranty. The guy came to my house. I told him the backlight went out in the television. Came over, looked at it, and he's like, "Yep, the backlight's out. I'll see you next week." came back with a tech a week later and they sat right here in my living room and took that whole TV apart, put a new screen in it with a new backlight, changed out all the guts of the television, put it back together. And I didn't even have to lift a finger. 
and they repair they repaired it right there and my warranty is still good the only time your warranty runs out is if they have to replace the television and then you got to buy a new warranty on that television yeah and uh let, let me let me just note that the reason that technology and televisions is so difficult these days is uh num number one the panels are trying to get flatter and flatter so you get a lot of problems with that and uh, led tvs they actually get pretty hot not not that hot but old and oled tvs have image retention but because they're trying to squeeze so much into these small packages there's a lot of issues with the panel technology. It's not perfect. Whether you buy OLED or LED, you're better off to at least buy a two-year warranty. And uh, if Best Buy doesn't sell the TV anymore, they will give you cash towards another one. So, yeah, they, they uh, give you the actual purchasing. They, they give you back all the money you put on that television minus the cost of the warranty, if I'm right, because the warranty was an add-on. But if you, they give you back the cost of the television plus the tax. Yeah, so that's pretty amazing. So uh, definitely keep that in mind. A lot of people are going to be buying 4K panels. Uh, Centurion, you have one. Jordan, do you have a 4K panel yet? Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. So uh, what do you guys think going from yeah. 1080p to 4K? Uh, I, mean, not I love it, <laughs> It's especially when there's 4K content. Um, a lot of the Amazon originals, a lot of the Netflix originals, uh, are in 4K. I watched um, USA versus um, uh, who the hell did we just play the other day in the World Cup? If you guys watched it all, um, uh, well, whatever. Sure. The, the Fox Sports app on uh, Roku, the 4K Roku has 4K. They had the game in 4K, so I was able to watch the soccer game in 4K, which was amazing. I've never seen 4K sports before outside of like a YouTube video. Um, and then YouTube 4K content was awesome. Like the first thing, like, the first thing I did when I hooked it up is I I just searched 4K on YouTube and I watched all these like awesome videos people shot like walking around like Tokyo and different parts of Japan. Yeah. 4K, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, um, those are awesome. But so, uh, the, the the problem is the content. You know, like um, people don't understand if you're hooked up to your cable box, you're only getting 1080i. Yep. Yeah, which is uh, the only place that offers real 4K cable. I believe is Direct TV or Dish. I, I can't remember. Oh, no. My parents Not. Direct TV and they have like four 4K channels. It's it's garbage. What they're it's trying to not do. worth it. No, not at all. So if you do have a 4K TV, you want to download, like you said, Amazon, Netflix, yep. YouTube. There's tons of 4K content out there. You can just search YouTube 4K content, like you said. And uh, now that HDR is a thing, now you you also need to get HDR. If you buy a 4K TV in 2019 and it's not HDR, you're probably your going on sale, but you're probably going to wish you did in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. When you go buy a TV, if it says 4K Ultra HD, that still does not mean HDR is in, in it. Um, I have actually two 4K televisions. I have a KU 6300 with what I call faux K HDR in it. <laughs> because it's a four, it's a 4K television, but it's got um what they call they have two different kinds of HDR in the Samsung series of televisions. They oh, have what's known as HDR, uh, like it's like oh my god, HDR10, and then they had uh, well, Ultra HDMI color. Well, they call it they call it something different because they don't really use the HDR10. Uh, they dumbed it down. They call it HDR standard and HDR premium, I believe. Oh yeah, that, that's the, in the newer ones. And like that's uh, explaining it to people. 
when you have think of HDR is like a box of crayons. If you go buy the cheap box of crayons with 25 colors, that's all the colors your TV can produce. Now, what if you go get that hundred that hundred box uh, set of crayons? That's just as many colors as your TV can produce, and it's actually able to blend them together and create different colors. Um, the 6300 out here looks totally different than my 8000 that I have in my bedroom. I, as soon as I heard all the rave reviews about the, the 8000 series, the 4Ks, I went out and got one. And the difference between playing my Xbox X on my TV in my living room and the TV in my bedroom is night and day between the, the HDR color palettes on them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. And now, now we have Dolby Vision, uh, HDR 10 Plus. New yeah. formats of HDR coming that are offering real 10-bit colors. It, it's crazy. But what I can tell you about Samsung is I can see that you have two uh, Samsung TVs, correct? Yeah, I've, I have friends tell me I'm like a Samsung whore. I got a Sam, I'm actually looking at you right now on a Samsung computer monitor. I got a Samsung Galaxy Note 9. I got two Samsung televisions. Yeah, yeah. I, I can, I can um, reiterate. Samsung, they make great panels. Uh, they have great technology. So let me tell you, Samsung's first premium 4K TV that they came out, um, it, was, it was like the, I, I can't remember the model name, but I have it in my bedroom. It was before HDR even came out, but they had a setting in the inputs that said, turn on ultra HDMI color. This was the first TV that was quantum dot by Samsung. Uh, a year after I bought it, HDR 10 came out with the Xbox One S. And they said you would need a TV that's compatible. And I had no idea, but my Samsung TV that I purchased over a year ago was HDR enabled. So they really think of things that people actually need in their televisions. Uh, just like now, you can get 120 FPS on these new Samsung TVs with your Xbox. And, and really, it's only Samsung doing this. I mean... Um, OLED, the technology in the future is obviously going to be higher frame rate, but I'm talking about 2017 to 2019. There really weren't any 4K 120 panels. So uh, Samsung allowed you to play in 1440p 120 frames a second on some of their 2018 model TVs, which is really amazing. So, you know, Samsung, they make great phones, they make great televisions. And uh, I really think they care about their customers' needs and what people want. So, uh, yeah, a lot, I don't of, blame you. a lot of things they also don't tell people about 4K televisions is HDR is sometimes only possible through one HDMI port. Yes. My, my 6300 here in the living room, HDMI 1 is the only port that is able to produce HDR. That's obviously the one that my Xbox uses. The 8000 in my bedroom actually came with something called like the Samsung HDMI hub, basically yeah, smart. Hub. It, it, yeah. The, well, it's the smart hub is an app on the TV. This thing is a box that you plug into the back of the TV and you set it on a shelf and you plug all oh, the oh. HDMIs into it. It's the like called connect. the smart connect. Yeah. The one connect. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That, I, I, that by using hard. that, they're yeah. able to put HDMI on any input as a result of that. And that's one thing a lot of people don't know that have 4K televisions that you could have a 4K television, but you might not be getting HD uh, HDR purely because you might have your console plugged into the wrong port. I don't need HDR on my DirecTV satellite box because almost everything's in 1080 and it doesn't matter. So I made sure that my 
uh, Xbox was on HDMI one for the H HDR support, but bringing it back to uh, Netflix and Amazon, you can't really to this day, forgive me. I'm a picture junkie. You can't properly stream 4k because uh, the minute your internet hiccups, you automatically drop resolution. Uh, I love playing digital games, but I am a physical media whore when it comes to 4k content. It, I have like over, like, I think it's like somewhere around 700 Blu-rays and 4k Blu-rays I'm staring at right now. Yeah. And, yeah. And these things, like I went and saw Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, this last weekend with my wife, uh, yeah, not this weekend, but last well. weekend watching it on a projector on a dirty ass, uh, movie theater screen. And you know, obviously all the dust in the air and stuff like that is going to affect that picture. While I was watching that movie, all I could think to myself is this movie is going to look freaking sick in 4K <laughs> on a 4K television. Yeah, and they charge uh they charge uh and 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 you know they charge a little bit more for the 4K Blu-rays, which is fine for right now because it's kind of a niche market. But uh uh physical media is always gonna be better than digital until we get into 5G. Um I've noticed I don't have many problems streaming. Um, I've noticed Amazon is not quite as good as Netflix, but Netflix has some server issues with Comcast. Sometimes it's just like won't load, but I don't have actually issues playing the content and, uh, as well as YouTube, my monitors, 4k, my two televisions are 4k. I had to buy an OLED because people kept saying that you're not experiencing true blacks unless you get an OLED. And what I can say is, sure, you get true blacks, but you're not getting as bright as a Samsung HDR television, which is sadly the case. And um, when it comes to 4K televisions, there's just one thing I'd like to say. It, it, it's really all about price. If you spend over $1,000, all your HDMI ports will be 4K compatible. If you spend over $1,000, you're probably going to get both formats of HDR and a little bit of future-proofing. Uh, TCL is the only company that offers a budget 4K TV that gives you everything. And in the I, past year, LG and Samsung have released some good ones. But last year uh, and the year before that, TCL was really the only cheap television you could get for 600 bucks that delivered. And I've heard a lot of good reviews about TCL. Yeah, yeah. They had a good TV. Um, and then they came out with one that had some panel issues with uh, backlighting and uh, the, the problem with LED TVs is you need the zones, the backlit. You need full array. And uh, full array, local dimming, it's called. And that costs money in panel technology. So TCL has gotten better with it. And then they kind of stumbled a little bit. And my Samsung 2015 4K TV has a really uh, shitty dimming, uh, local dimming uh, setting. And I can see light blooming from each side of the television. Super annoying. Uh, you don't get that with OLED, and you don't get that when you buy full array local dimming. But uh, that's just something you got to keep in mind when you're buying a budget, uh, a budget product. You've got to see where its shortcomings are, and you have to be aware of those. And uh, just as we do with video games, uh, Microsoft and Sony, we're aware of their shortcomings, and we praise them when they're forthcoming. And it's the same thing with televisions, but unfortunately, they're not very forthcoming. So, I'm planning to upgrade to an OLED in the next year, hopefully. Yeah, sorry, they, Jordan. No, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> it's like trying to get trying to get in here. Uh, anyways, no. um, yeah, I actually I have 
one of the TCLs with the backlight issue. And I got to call Costco tomorrow about that because a buddy of mine that works there, he said, yeah, that model, they'll literally come out, they'll look at it, and they'll be like, all right, we're just going to replace it because I got one of those models where they kind of shit the bed on the – if you don't mind, which one, which model do you have? I don't remember the model number. I I didn't Is know the P series. It's not a six series. It was it the was P a series. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, the which was which was the one that has the zone backlighting. Um, I it, it it's a P series TV. I think. Uh, I think the ones after that might have had changed the name a little bit. But okay. I think I did see some issues with those. I bought a TCL TV in 2017. But I returned it and bought an OLED, and then I returned the OLED, and I bought the model up. Because, like I said, the base model of these TVs, they're not very forthcoming in what they can do. You know, yeah. So uh, it was something to do with Dolby Atmos. I had an issue with my, uh, t with my OLED, the B-series, so I went and got the C-series. Okay. And, um, you, you, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're not very forthcoming when they have an issue, you know, and yeah. it's unfortunate. Uh, the whole thing with Hertz and frames per second, um, is, uh, crazy, you know, like TCL will put 240 Hertz, but the television is only 120 Hertz, but they all do that, but they shouldn't, but they do do that. And right. it, they're not very forthcoming, but they, TCL has made a big come up. And I think if you're on a budget, it's the best bet. It was, yeah, that was why I got it. It was like, I wanted 4k, I want HDR and I just couldn't afford much. And it was, I got a really good deal at Costco. And, uh, best part about Costco is that they give you that extended warranty without having to pay for it out of pocket too. So. Oh really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. yeah they'll, 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 club membership. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, 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 what is it? They give you an extra two years on the manufacturer's warranty. Oh wow. That's, so, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, look at Best Buy, they charge for it. Yeah. But, um, a uh, quick story. My Xbox One X had a power uh, power issue. It kept shutting down. And after six months, I believe, or no, maybe it was a year. But after a year, I was out of warranty. Uh, I was able to get it repaired. But like these um, warranties, like when I was a kid, they were two years. Now they're one year. And for cheaper products, like I said, I, I've heard products only having a six-month warranty. Even so nowadays. Yeah, that, that's insane for tech, you know. Uh, pretty much, I love tech. It's what my channel is all about. But every piece of tech I buy has an issue at some point. Whether or not you need a, a repair or a replacement is another story. But all tech has issues. So as long as you, you trust the company where you buy it from, and if you can buy it from Costco and get a two-year warranty, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. it's. Uh, I wanted to mention, because I was looking this up earlier when we were talking about Best Buy, they actually had a 17% growth um, eh, first quarter of this year. So they're somehow they're still able to compete with Amazon some way or another. And a lot of it has to do with the way they handle their e-commerce. Um, I can order something from Best Buy and they do same day and next day delivery for under five bucks. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. they also do price match. And, uh, I've even had Best Buy lower the price of something I purchase in store without me going in to complain. Like I bought something the next week it was on sale and they just credited me back. Yeah, you get, you get 30 days from the day you purchase something to basically have them price match it. Yeah, well, usually you got to go in and be like, look, this is cheaper now. But I just looked at my statement and they credited my credit card. So I was pretty surprised Pretty surprised about that. Um, like I, the chat online? What, what, sorry? So, 
let's say, as an example, with uh, the PlayStation Classic, you, we all know the story about that piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I pre-ordered and I spent the hundred dollars on it, and I bought it during the. It came out during the holidays, so they basically extended the uh, return. I what was it the forty-five days after Christmas? I think. Yeah, yeah, they always do that. No, it's still January first. Yeah, so in like end of January, when the price dropped drastically on it. I just got on Best Buy chat. I'm like, uh, this is $40 now. And I paid a hundred. Like, oh, we're so sorry. Here's a $60 refund. Like yeah. I did a call them to go in the store. I did it through chat. I'm like, they're like, just let me get your order number. And they, they took it right like that. So one of the reasons I like Best Buy and I'm a very picky guy. And for a while I would return stuff. Um, and they never given me an issue. You know, I, I've met some really cool people at Best Buy. Uh, like I said, the Magnolia TV division. I know one of the managers there over here. And I've had some spats with them and they've explained to me how they do things. Like if you buy a television and it comes with a free sound bar and uh, you try to return the television or whatever, they won't give you all the money that you paid for it because you got the sound bar for free. Right. And they have like some weird policy uh, that, that you end up getting screwed. So if you ever buy a special there, like get a free sound bar, get a free thing, make sure you're going to keep it because they will screw you on the return. You know, you will lose money. I don't know how they can do that, but with the promotion, there is some uh, copyright um, in the fine print that they are allowed to do that. So I'm sure it's just to avoid having people steal from them. Basically, you know, you buy it for the free item, then return the TV. They're just giving away sound bars. So that's yeah. an example. But, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I could definitely understand see that. respect the reason behind that. It's just to avoid shady people doing shady things. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry, man. I was I was wanting to in my line of work, I deal with uh you know, buying and selling of parts and stuff like that. Amazon is a very interesting entity. Um Amazon, uh, I don't know if you guys know a whole lot about uh retail sales, but in retail sales you have what's uh uh, basically a price you have like pricing structures that are issued by the people who sell that uh, who actually manufacture that item they tell you what the the retail what they retail it out at and then they give you a bottom line price that bottom line price is basically set in concrete in, in stone if you get caught selling below that price you can actually have your authorized dealer uh you know, contracting taken away from you. And a lot of these companies, <clears throat> excuse me, have it to where if you buy something from an unauthorized retailer, any warranty issues, you have to go directly through where you got it. And we had a lot of issues with people that would buy something from Amazon. And we had documents from the manufacturers of these parts that would say, if they come in with an Amazon receipt, they do not get a warranty. And then we had a statement that was issued by that company that said that they had removed Amazon from their list of authorized retailers and that Amazon was starting to be declared as what they call a gray market reseller. You have black market, you have normal market. Now they're creating this whole area known as a gray market because what Amazon will do is they will go in and they will buy all these objects up um, for dirt cheap and then make a dollar on them. And, you know, if you could sell 30 million people an object that you're making $1 off of, you know, if you look at it prospectively, you're making $30 million. But that hurts the, the other companies that don't have the ability to take that kind of a hit with their overhead. 
So Amazon lately is starting to get in a lot of trouble because they're selling products way below their retail cost. And so therefore, when you have warranty issues, you have to go directly back to Amazon to get some of these warranty issues cleaned up. Like the company will, Amazon has to basically flip the bill for your warranty, not the maker of the television you got. And that's why I never fed into Amazon. You can get stuff really cheap there, but because Best Buy price matches them, I would rather go to a brick and mortar store that I know if I have any issues at all, that I can deal with somebody like face to face. I don't got to email them or call yeah. 1-800 number. And uh, Best Buy is probably seeing a resurgence because of that one feature. Um, a lot of the Best Buys out here in Arizona are actually now have like showrooms where you go and buy refrigerators and stoves and washers and dryers. Um, so they're definitely making leaps and bounds and changing how their company does business and they're trying to be a much more uh, customer service friendly business when it comes to the consumer um, because obviously you don't want to buy a product that doesn't have a proper warranty behind it yeah for sure and for amazon i wouldn't buy anything super heavy from them just because i'd be afraid of shipping that heavy item like a television or uh something like that something small like a console i wouldn't mind but Best Buy will price match if it's an Amazon Prime. It has to be sold directly from Amazon. It can't be like a third-party seller or one of those people that are, um, because of what you said, they can sell for under the market value. So Best Buy will only accept certain uh, price matches. So that's the, the only thing. And I order a lot of stuff from Amazon, and I've had some returns like I do with everything, and they're awesome with their returns. They just credit your account right away. So I think I, they're. I agree. Yeah, everything that you're saying. I anything that you want a warranty on that you need a warranty on, I always go through Best Buy. Um, I mean, obviously, I order a lot of knickknacks and random shit from Amazon all the time. I mean, in fact, I have a uh, a camera adapter that's you know I'm, I, it probably just got delivered. I think it's got a notification on my phone from Amazon, but it's it's like order something like that, you know, cheap games, things like that. But I would never order a computer from Amazon. I wouldn't order a TV from Amazon. Um, I would much rather go to a, a, a store like Best Buy to, to get something like that or a Costco that actually has will handle anything warranty in store as an option. So, yeah, same thing with physical media. You know, I, I have an issue with buying uh, digital everything, just like I have an issue buying stuff online. I purchased my CyberPower computer, I picked out all the parts and uh, it got shipped to me. And had some issues. I had to send it back. It was $160 to pay for shipping. Oh, then they sent it back to me. It was broken again. And uh, they said I had to talk to three different supervisors before they would pay for shipping back to them. Because I told them there's no way I'm paying $160 again to ship this PC back. You know, I had so many issues with it. So in retrospect, it's better to buy big, big purchases in person. Absolutely. Agree 100%. And uh, I've heard bad things about CyberPower, but I still went ahead and bought it because it was the cheapest place to buy it. And I ended up, I still ended up saving some money on my purchase. Yeah, Stubbs, if you want to come back on the show, you're more than welcome, man. We were just uh, having you drop out and everything. So, you know, we're not hating on you or anything. You know, we love you, man. Oh, no, it's it, somebody needs to go feed the hamsters down at Google. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I I wonder what it's going to be like when uh, Google Hangouts goes away. I wonder if they 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 have to have numbers on how many people use it, and uh, seems like a crazy thing to me. I mean, there are other v video chat um, applications, but uh, like you said, Google Hangouts they change uh, whoever's speaking. The camera goes to their icon. Right. And uh, I, I think that really helps with a thing like podcasts. So uh, let's get some developers out there and make a, another good one. Does Does Skype offer um, features like that? Or I know that obviously you can do multi, you can do like multi squares and things like that. But the, I think the moderator actually has to control who is seen on there. I don't think it's all automated like that. Yeah, hopefully they do get one. I, I've used Skype before, and I remember they started charging for international calling, and then you needed a premium account for stupid things. So I kind of stopped using it, but I did okay. use it in its infancy, and it does work well. But for podcasts, you know, Google Hangouts is where it's at. I mean, even uh, Dealer Gaming, and I'm sure all the podcasts that you go on, Centurion, they probably use Google Hangouts. Uh, Salty is, am I, he's probably ahead of the curve on this situation. Salty uses discord and yeah. uh, he uses OBS to, uh, control everybody popping up their logos and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we tried to do that on a podcast, but, uh, discord, we was not working with window capture and, uh, certain computers don't have the hardware acceleration or they have to turn it off. And uh, we had such a mess trying to use Discord in, in an earlier podcast that I was a part of, and uh, we just stopped using it. So I'm sure you know it needs some tweaking. See, I I'm wondering what's going to happen if they cut the Google Hangout because there's obviously a lot of major content creators that use Google Hangouts, and we all know Google listens to at least the big the big ones. Um, and so they're probably going to see a major drop off on people putting you know, podcasting content on there and it's probably going to affect their bottom line. And they're probably going to, I wouldn't be surprised if they have something else that they're going to roll out to take its place or if they backtrack and basically say, yeah, this didn't work out. We're going to implement it in a different way. I don't know, man. I just watched this really great video on YouTube about YouTube. And it's interesting. YouTube really, they kind of turned their back on everyone that made them who they are today. You know, the, the, the content creators, because you go on YouTube now and you look at suggested videos, it's all network television now. It's, they, they've, they focus so much more on TV when literally YouTube was created because people were sick of watching TV. Now YouTube literally offers TV. Google owns YouTube, obviously we know that. So this is why I bring this up with Google. I just don't think Google cares about us anymore. They don't care. You know, YouTube is it, with the way that people get demonetized, the algorithms. It's 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 literally the small creators, all the way up to even some of the bigger creators that have ten million subscribers. Oh. They're, they're just they're getting just ignored. They're getting buried alive on YouTube, and no one is is succeeding anymore like they used to. Yeah, I just uh, got an update. I'm checking. Sorry to cut you off. Um, <laughs> It says a Google spokesperson reached out with the following statement, essentially confirming that one day in the future, classic Hangouts will indeed go away, but not until all users have been successfully migrated to either Hangouts Chat or Hangouts Meet. There is no time frame for this, but someday. So it seems like they're going to already have a new uh, platform, and okay. it might even be that new Android messaging. So maybe I kind of jumped 
jump the shark on that one. Maybe they're not going to get rid of it. Well, you know, while they, we're still using it, they would be silly to do that to purely cut everybody off because all all it takes is one person with a little bit of money in their pocket to create a platform that caters to that, and then everybody would migrate over to it. Yeah, and Android is coming out with their own iMessage, if you will. I think it's called RCS or something, and that's supposed to be launching in 2020. I think they're having some issues getting it up. Um, I have an iPhone for a work phone, but uh, like you, Centurion, I like Samsung. So I have a Samsung S9 Plus, and um, I don't really care for iMessage. I mean, I guess it's encrypted. Is that what people like about it? I mean, I don't know. It's encrypted, and it's also cross-platform. So as an example, I have it on my phone. I have it on all three of my Macs. I have it on my iPad. Um, and it's a seamless integration into the operating system on all these devices. And that's, uh, uh, that's, not, not, what, that's what okay. Apple does with everything. So, and it's not just iMessage. Uh, it, it allows you to use your phone number for your text messages. So, like, let's say you were to send me a text message, I would get on my phone, my computers, my iPad, I would see it. So, it's seamless. Uh, it's just the difference in color. Like, you have an iPhone for work, you see the blue bubbles or the green bubbles. That's the old, and it, it looks the same on the computer or your other devices. So, that's if you live in the ecosystem, especially, it's something that you really do appreciate and, and, and enjoy having that access to. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not in the ecosystem, but I do have like an iPhone 6s for work, and it's simple to use. It works. Uh, the battery dies quick now, but I've had it for over two years. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, expected. <laughs> and uh, Apple has its issues, just like Samsung does. Um, er every company has their issues, but I just think these products are getting too expensive for what they offer, uh, especially cell phones. You know, uh, everything is like a high ticket item at Apple. Uh, like that new PC, the iMac Pro, it was so amazing. The best best computer ever, best monitor ever, and then they charge a thousand dollars for the stand for the monitor. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I know. It's like, a buddy of mine who works for Quicken Loans, he works in their tech department. Uh, you're you're familiar with Quicken Loans, right? Like Rocket Mortgage, all that. The they're out of Detroit, yeah. the largest lender. Anyways, so he works in their tech department, and we were we were joking about last night like what what's up with this stand like at least they're not forcing it on you it still has a base standard base of like mounting ability I'm like what who's gonna buy this outside of like the select few that have to buy it? it's so dumb i just I, I can't comprehend it it's unbelievable but yeah and the monitor was incredible monitor's but, amazing it's an amazing monitor but in a year other companies will be able to replicate it and uh, that price tag is gonna have to come down i'm sorry a thousand dollars for a stand is like, oh my god, six thousand dollars for the monitor. Yeah, that. You know, no, honestly, I've never bought anything that's high ticket price from Apple. I'm still editing video, uh, perfectly fine on a five year old MacBook Air. You know, it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's that, that's incredible that you can edit on these MacBooks. Um, we're getting some um, some some laptops that are like that on uh, PC, but. Um, you know, Apple is for creatives and a lot of creatives use it. I've seen people edit on their laptop and they plug it into a monitor and they run it like a desktop PC. They have yep. no issues. It's only until you get into 4K where you really have issues with video editing anyways. But Apple is easy to use. It's seamless, like you said, and uh, that's why people love it. It's great for design. I switched over to Mac when I went to school. I went to school for audio engineering and all the studios ran Mac. 
Pro Tools at the time ran significantly better on Mac. And um, and that's kind of where I got into it. But yeah, from a creative standpoint, it's nothing can beat what their OS and hardware can do. With On the creative side, now, of course, PC for gaming all day long. You cannot game on a, on a Mac. So that's absolutely insane unless you were to get like a horribly overpriced configuration and then dual boot windows. That would be like the only way to do it. And that's just silly at that point. Really, yeah, really silly to do that. But, it, you know, you're not going to be gaming on a Mac like you said. Sure. I, I mean, you could. And then there's people doing the opposite, going from PC and uh, booting Mac on PC. What do they call that? Hackintosh. Yeah, that's right. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all by hard by the hardware that is similar to the the Intel chips and the graphics cards and everything that Apple uses. They do have a x86 Hackintosh software that you can load to install the operating system. So and that and that new iMac Pro is using AMD graphics. It still yep. has an Intel CPU. But they're using AMD graphics. So if they're using AMD graphics and Xbox is using AMD graphics, Sony is using AMD CPU and graphics. Both of them are. Yep. I mean, AMD is on the rise, man. I, I've got to say. Like AMD. I've always believed that they could one day take Intel out if they wanted to. Yeah, it's amazing, man. I, I have a Threadripper that I edit my 4K videos on. Yeah. And it's freaking awesome. You know, AMD is awesome. And, you know, this is a 16 core 32 thread CPU that was available two years ago. Yep. So, um, you, you know, Intel is just kind of their high end CPUs were faster, but they were also triple the price. Right. So, you know, Damn, uh, here I thought I was overpowered with a GTX 2700. <laughs> I don't have uh, the 20 series. I have a 1080 Ti. Um, but like I said, I bought the PC two years ago. I was trying to run Metro Exodus on my PC earlier. I was trying to fart around. I have to run it in DX11 mode. And uh, it doesn't, it runs well, but then it crashes. So uh, a 1080 Ti, crazy CPU. And I don't know, it, it's optimization purely, but the game is pretty taxing on the hardware. And uh, the 20 series is like, you know, a content creator's dream. You know, it's like uh, if you can get it for free because you're a content creator, same thing with the iMac Pro. If I got it for free, I wouldn't be complaining. But the 2080, 2080 Ti is $1,200. That's out of control. That's out of control. I, 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 I do MacBook for that price. <laughs> I know yeah, it's it, different, but the point is I can, get a, I can get a computer that I would want to use at the price of that one card. Exactly. And the 1080 Ti runs games in 4K, most games, uh, up to 60 FPS, um, and it was $700. So you're talking about a $500 increase to get, uh, I think, 20% more performance and the ray tracing cores, which, as we can see, is not very significant. Uh, games are having pretty crappy FPS. Uh, we're basically running games in 1080p or 1440p on a $1,200 graphics card to get uh, ray tracing. That's, so, that's all going to change next gen, especially with these new AMD RDNA chips. Yeah, well, I'm wondering if their RDNA is going to do uh, the ray tracing or are they going to have their own ray tracing uh, hardware as well? Because well, sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt. Forgive me. In my video I put out about, our, about the two consoles that are coming out, the PS5 and the Xbox Scarlet, the PS5 is using a Generation 1 RDNA chip which has a software-based uh, ray tracing feature built into the actual software of the chip. Um, the RDNA 2 
chip that Xbox is supposedly using has a hardware based core that is going to be specific for ray tracing. And if you look at the two, uh, the two SKUs on the chips, uh, each chip has a seven nanometer construction, but the RDNA two is seven nanometer plus because AMD wants to actually give the chip the ability to do cloud computing. So if by some chance you max out the performance of the chip, the chip can start computing in the cloud. Yeah, definitely. Um, that is very interesting stuff. I have an issue with Sony using our DNA Gen 1. I unless they're going to release their console before Xbox, I don't see that happening. You know, they both had the Jaguar cores last gen, right? So I just don't see AMD being like, oh, Microsoft, you know, we're going to give you a good chip. And Sony, we're going to give you last gen. Well, it to describe that, both companies have a different mantra. PlayStation, it's price over performance. Xbox is going for performance over price. And I think we're going to see that when these price tags are revealed, unless by some chance Microsoft wants to take a huge hit. But I could probably see the Xbox being $100 more than the PS4. Are they based I mean, the PS5. on the developmental kits that went out, or has this actually been announced by both companies? The, the, they, as far as I know, it's been announced. The de and that's the only problem with trying to compare the power between the two, uh, the two uh, technologies is our DNA Gen 1 is mathematically calculated on power differently than uh, our DNA Gen 2 because our DNA Gen 2 actually has a higher bandwidth. So it actually has a higher processing power than the original Generation 1 chip. So, yeah, you might have more power under the hood of the PS5, but the Xbox Scarlet would be able to process that power quicker. They're talking about, um, if, you talk, if you listen to how Phil Spencer and them talk, they say how uh, the Xbox Scarlet is going to be a more immersive experience. You know, when we play games nowadays, when we walk around in a forest, we're used to our character going through bushes like the bushes are not there they're just there for aesthetically pleasing us they're saying on an xbox scarlet the bushes are going to react like they should in real life like when you brush up against the bush the limbs are going to bend out of the way and they're going to go back into place the way they should uh they actually pointed this technology out in the halo uh infinite uh trailer that came out in e3 this year when the guy trips on something in the space shuttle and he hits the floor, you actually see dust come out from underneath him and float up into the air. And uh, the digital foundry guy was saying that they that this is impossible unless they're cooking up some kind of crazy performance uh, hardware that's actually able to compute this kind of stuff. So they're definitely saying that Xbox is going to be an experience all its own uh, not based on power, but based on the ability on how it's going to ha handle the power and the performance it's going to be able to do. It's going to be able to calculate things faster and perform much more complex calculations than the original Generation 1 chip. Yeah, well, even the Gen 1 chip, we don't have all the specs on yet, and they are using uh, PCIe Gen 4.0, which is going to be faster all around, and these new SSDs, are m.2 format so they use pcie 4.0 so 
So that's why the storage is going to be so much faster because we're not using SATA anymore. Um, I think both of these consoles are going to have the newest possible technology. And I remember when Scorpio was rumored and coming out, people thought they were going to be using Navi and they thought it was going to be the newest hardware. But the CPU was almost the exact same as it was in the original Xbox One. So that was a big letdown for us. And I feel like they both know, Sony and Microsoft, they both know they've got to have the newest standard. So I think as long as they have the PCIe 4.0 and uh, Microsoft is putting their own spin on the RAM and uh, uh, hard drive, the solid state hard drive usage, I, I think it's going to be an interesting generation. Now, have they said that the PS5 is going to use virtual memory? I know that's already been said about the Xbox. No, they, they haven't, but they, they've talked about how fast their SSD is. And, uh, you know, last-gen games, this-gen games loading under one second. So, I mean, that's basically nothing. So, I mean, I don't know what Xbox is doing with the architecture of the system, and that's kind of beyond my realm of, you know... Um, expertise shall i say <laughs> but uh it's definitely interesting you know and uh, but the, i just want to keep in mind that a lot of these things get misconstrued very easily and i and i remember the xbox one x was gonna have um a brand new ryzen cpu you know 3.7 gigahertz and then it ended up just being a um a modified jaguar you know so it was like i like i'm not telling anyone else what to do but i like to keep um my expectations in check because I was rooting for that new oh. CPU. And not only that, but we got to keep our expectations in check because the technology world is in a total state of influx right now as a result with all the trading issues with the countries around the world right now. Well, I think Trump just suspended the China tariffs. Um, well, so yeah, I was trying to interrupt. That's my video that I'm planning to build today. When Trump started talking about the tariffs, he cut off Hawaii uh, not the country, the the brand, we weren't allowed to sell them anything. WD and a couple technology companies were no longer allowed to sell them technology. Oh, Huawei? Came, yeah, yeah. Hawaii, uh, Hawaii, or however you want to pronounce it. Hey, Huawei. Well, uh, we weren't allowed to sell them anything. And so that as of last night, I had an article pop up that he suspended that. So now these tech companies are allowed to start resuming trading of tech. They're not on this black market list, well, which is actually Huawei. a huh? Because that Huawei has charges from um, in international conspiracy charges that they have. Their phones are spying on, uh, right. spying on American well, customers and all this crap. Well, now this is off of Android Authority, but why? Uh, um, it's uh, AndroidAuthority.com. Breaking news. Huawei will be allowed to do business with U.S. companies again. They were taken off the blacklist. Oh, uh, yeah. For, um, and, but that's actually kind of a good sign when it comes to these tariffs that it looks like Trump is at least our government, whoever you want to say. Is, it's not a political thing, but whoever should be listening is listening to some of these companies. And when you see Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo all sign the same letter and send it to the administration – that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And, and there's a Facebook group I'm in, a video game fans Facebook group, and people were just flipping out over this. And I said, "Look at," I said, "It's a good thing you got these three companies. That one is an American company; the other two have American divisions in Seattle. 
Uh, Nintendo's in Seattle, if I'm correct. Sony's in uh, Sony in Santa Monica, their main headquarters. The point is they're all on the West Coast. So, so you get these three major U.S. entities that manufacture in China. I said they're going to write this letter, and I can guarantee you that either he or someone in the administration is going to look at it, and they will negotiate. The president, like him or not, he prides himself on his negotiation skills. He's going to want to talk. He'll work it out. It's like – it's that's just kind of his mo. So and look at it, obviously it works. So thank 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 God for us, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the 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 whole Huawei thing, I just want to say that they they were not allowed to get their chips from Intel. They were not to allowed to use Snapdragon. Uh, they were stopping them from basically. Yeah, using, they, they uh, cut them off from WD hard drives. Yep. Yeah, so they basically couldn't build phones or tech anymore without the help without um you know, working with these other companies. So uh, the, the U.S. government is still not going to allow them to sell phones to us, but they are allowed to buy and sell to other companies. They're just, I, you still can't buy them in the U.S., I think. So are they still under investigation for all the, the spying and everything? From what I know, yes. And they did stop them from purchasing the, like I said, the Snapdragon processor yeah. and storage and, and everything like that. So they would basically cripple the company you know so i think if they now they can still purchase and continue but i don't think they're going to be allowed to sell their phones here okay uh because who wants to be spied on by the chinese government i mean they are they are uh, a communist country and they do basically know what every single one of their citizens are doing they it's have true. yeah and uh even google i've heard google is going to help them with this facial uh recognition and they're building this social credit score where if you kick a dog or a cat in the street, they're going to know, you know, and they're going to be like, when you go to buy a, an apartment or rent an apartment, they're going to say, hey, man, you you kicked that cat in uh, two years ago. So we really don't want you living here, man. Your social credit score is not good enough. It's so scary. Yeah. Imagine that, you know, You're, imagine accountability taken to another level. Like demolition, man. You get a ticket for swearing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think we are. We have gone way over, guys. I know everyone's got stuff to do. I've got to finish a video I'm doing, and um, I'm sure you guys have stuff you got to do, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, this was fun, so we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Maybe a, um, a little less issues, but I appreciate you guys coming when I hosted. I didn't really have much planned, but I think we uh, made out pretty well. Yeah, just by, flying by the seat of our pants. That's the saying, right? That's, that's what we did. <laughs> so. Yeah, we, we overcame the issues. Uh, Stubbs, sorry you had issues, man. Um, next time, we're going to be all together as one. But uh, we, we want to do some quick outros. Any of you guys got new content coming out or anything you want these people to check out, uh, you can say your channel name, say a, a video that you've got coming up or whatever. <clears throat> oh, uh, Centurion, you can go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. All right. No, thank you. Um, my next video I'm hoping to have done by the end of tonight. Um, I'm obviously going to tackle this tariff thing. I've been kind of holding on to wanting to do it. I wanted to wait till the right time, and it seems like it's actually a good time. Uh, gamers for the longest time have not wanted to talk politics. This isn't politics. This is something that's going to affect everybody, whether they like it or not. So it is at least a little bit of good news that it looks like that they're actually backing off on how much like cutoff that they're putting on trading of technology. Um, but just in case anybody here does like listening to the sound of my voice, you can also find me on Saltiest Gaming.
uh, podcast, which is normally on Thursday. But um, congratulations to Salty. He's actually having a baby next week. Um, so we're actually doing a show this Wednesday, a day early. Um, next week, there won't be a show. But uh, we, I also do shows with PTK Blam every Saturday. Um, both these shows are uh, basically 6 p.m. Pacific, my time. Uh, really great group of guys. We have an awesome time talking uh, games and gaming news and even chit-chatting like this, talking about technology, boring people. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me here, and uh, it's been fun. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining again, dude. I think you're on the come up right now. So definitely keep your eyes on him. He's going to be uh, doing a lot of cool stuff. And uh, appreciate you being on the show, man, as always. And uh, Jordan, what do you got going on? So uh, a couple of videos have come out recently. Life's been extremely hectic. I, I travel for work. So I was at the U.S. Open over in uh, Pebble Beach, California, and another golf tour before that. So I'm trying to get my videos out as best I can. Um, I, I just had a vasectomy a week ago too. You saw that video. I, yeah, that was good, man. I, I talked about how like it just kind of like slowed life down. But I'm starting to bring out my videos again, and uh, I I do a lot of like Nintendo reviews, uh, like hardware reviews and things like that. Um, and uh, actually, I had some really fun store like retro game hunting videos um, on my channel, which are really fun. I want to get more into that again. Um, I have some topics coming up. They're not time sensitive. Um, one of them is going to be. Uh, five systems that I wish I owned that I never have owned, which is always a kind of fun one to look back at going all the way back to like the uh, Sega master system is one of them. Um, uh, another topic I want to tackle is uh, the Nintendo tax. Are you familiar with the Nintendo tax? They're, they're horribly overpriced cartridges and ports and so on and so forth. And how it's, uh, it's just becoming extremely ridiculous. And I kind of want to dive into that. So that'll be coming, be coming up soon on my channel and uh, probably the next like week and a half or so. And uh, once again, the channel's punch and pie. Uh, not and, it's an N in the middle, so punch and pie. Uh, yeah, so if you guys are interested, you definitely go and uh, check me out there. Yeah, guys, and uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Jordan, for coming on the show. We're probably going to be moving to every two weeks format just so we can make sure we get everything smoothed out. And then if it gets to the point where we need to be on every week, you know, we can definitely do that. If you guys like the video, make sure to smack that like button. Uh, you can find me on BG4G or Pizzles Tech Time, my YouTube channel. And I'm all over YouTube, so uh, definitely appreciate you guys taking over. This is the American Takeover BG4G. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, thanks so much for watching. Uh, we are going to end the stream, and thanks, thanks to the panel for joining. And we'll see you next time, all right? Awesome. Thank you.